He's a sulky, over-funky, kinda hunky superhero. A two-fisted and electrically transistored superhero. An exotically neurotic and aquatic superhero. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. Hello and welcome to Marvel Vision, a Marvel Studios TV show podcast brought to you by Cinema Sangha. My name is Devin Faraci. I'm one of the hosts of this program. Joining me as he traditionally does. My name is Derek Faraci, and men call me a demon. I love this land. I pray that the people will understand. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Long time no talk. Yeah, it's been uh, almost 24 hours. <laughs> we, we recorded an uh, f- almost four-hour episode of Watchmen about Black Adam last night. So here's the deal. We have three podcasts that we do. We do uh, this one called Marvel Vision. You might be listening to this one for free because it's available on pretty much every single major podcasting platform for free because we love the people and we want to communicate to the people. But we have two other podcasts as well, one that's only available to $1 and above subscribers on the Patreon, and that one's called The Bad Batch. On that show, we talk about Star Wars TV shows. So like right now, we're halfway through the first season of Andor, which is an incredible show. If you were to listen to that program, you would hear us every single week spending an hour and a half talking about how great that show is. And then we have another show for $5 and above subscribers on the Patreon, and that show is called Watchmen. And every month we get together and we do a deep dive on a superhero movie. Now, when there's a new movie in theaters, that's what we talk about. So this month it was Black Adam. Next month it'll be Black Panther. What about December when there's no movies in theaters? What we're going to do then on those months The listeners get to decide. We create a poll, and you guys at home vote and decide what movie we're going to watch and talk about. Um, At the $5 level, you get not just that, but you also get The Bad Batch and, of course, Marvel Vision, which is the free show. This week, if you were at the $5 or above level, you would have gotten an hour and a half or so on Andor, on um, The Bad Batch, almost four hours on Black Adam. And today we're going to go at least an hour total on X-Men, the animated series. So for $5, you're getting in one week, about seven hours of content. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) This isn't, this is enough content that they could have played it on the loudspeakers outside of the Panama embassy when Manuel Noriega was hiding in there. They would have (laughs) driven him right out. That's, that's how, that's the, the, the sheer weight of of content that we create here on these podcasts week in and week out. Uh, This is not an unusual this is an unusual week because we only do one uh, Watchmen a month, but it's not an unusual month uh, to get you know really more hours of podcast than you can possibly deal with yes. uh, for just five dollars or above because uh, there's other levels above as well at the at the Patreon. If you're interested in that, you're going to want to go to www.patreon.com/slash/cinemasanga. That's S A N G H A. And sign up there for, uh, I'm going to say $5 or above, and you're going to get all of this stuff. Our Black Adam episode, I think, is especially key because as we discussed on the episode, the movie makes no effort to explain who anybody is or what's happening, and we spend a lot of time doing that. Yes. So if you see Black Adam, then you need to listen to our show to understand what was going on. And if you don't want to see Black Adam, then you need to listen to our show to find out why you were right and you did not need to see Black Adam. Does that sound about right? I guess so, yeah. It's a little mean. <laughs> you think they need – do they need to see Black Adam? I don't think so, but you don't need to be out there and be like, yeah, don't watch it. Like, it's a fun enough movie. I enjoyed it. I would say watch it on HBO Max. Sure. 
I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm, I, I like to see movies in theaters, but like, if you got like, we're hitting that time of year now where there's like a lot of really good movies in theaters. And maybe if you only have a limited amount of time to go to the theaters, I'm not sure Black Adam is the number one choice. There's a movie called Tar that's amazing that's in theaters. I think that's an Oscar frontrunner. Uh, there's a movie that I'm excited to see called Triangle of Sadness, which I keep hearing is an incredible movie. It's, despite the title, it is a dark comedy. Uh, and there's a couple other great movies, um, including uh, The Banshees of Inish Aaron, uh, the new Martin McDonough movie. And uh, a couple more that are coming. I think we're at a great time of year for the movies. I'm very excited. I'm probably going to go to the movies three times this week. There you go. I feel great about it. I'm so happy. Good. I'm, I'm also tired from doing all these podcasts. Yes. Uh, last night, we both learned something after Black Adam. We did? Yeah, we did. We learned that um, – maybe oh, learned yes. it before Black Adam. I don't know. But I, th- I learned about it after Black Adam was that in the year 2009, they did a DC direct line of action figures that were based on the Justice League International. All of the action figures are direct from Kevin Maguire models. Yes. They're crazy looking. They look amazing. And they're all really expensive now. Yes, they're all like $100. I have never – I didn't even know this existed. And I was like deep in the world in 2009. This isn't even like – I've kind of fallen out of like fandom. I was deep in it. Yeah. Yeah. How did I not hear I'm, about this? I don't know. I, I am especially surprised I didn't hear about it because I'm friends with many people that buy like every DC toy and none of them ever were like, Hey, have you seen these Kevin Maguire ones? So thanks a lot guys. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, they are really unbelievable looking. You know, what's funny is that I can't imagine myself ever buying a Batman figure except for this one because Kevin Maguire's Batman is so good yes. and uh, it, it really captures his his look. But I especially – there's a chance that at some point if I can save some money together, I'm going to get myself a Blue Beetle and a Booster Gold. Well, I broke down uh, today and I bought the new McFarlane figures of Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. Which, um, so, look, which great. look great. But they don't look like Kevin McGuire. They're not McGuire. That's the thing. No. So like for me, for me, the Blue Beetle and Booster Gold of JLI, that's the ultimate Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. That is that is the best they've ever been. Yeah, I mean, in that one, Booster's got the collar, which I prefer his costume with the collar, personally. And uh, they yeah, look like It's Kevin such McGuire. a douchebag popped collar. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it's so huge. It's wonderful. I love it. Anyway, we found that out last night, so we're sharing it with you folks. Um, don't go to eBay and make the prices go up, though, because I'm trying to save some money together and get myself <laughs> some of these dolls. So please don't do this to me. Uh, do we have any uh, comic book movie or TV show news? We do. We'll start with uh, Black Adam. Black Adam has made $140 million worldwide. Uh, it's overperformed a bit at the U.S. market. So I imagine Warner Brothers is relatively happy. Intriguing. So we talked about this on the Black Adam podcast. I want to continue this discussion here because somebody, uh, one of the um, box office Twitter accounts, like the the Exhibitor Relations Twitter account, noted that adjusted for inflation, Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern made more money opening weekend than Black Adam. Oh, for inflation. Nobody cares. No, no, it doesn't. No, I'm saying like what a ticket costs. That's what I'm saying. Like for what a ticket costs um, that the Ryan Reynolds – Green Lantern made more money, and that was a, a, a DOA. And this is obviously not a DOA, but I do think there's like a lot of bending over backwards to make this seem like a better opening weekend than it is. I don't think there is. Hmm. Okay. And also, like, what was the budget for Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern? I don't know, but the budget for fucking uh, Black Adam is $200 million, uh, without, that's before 
advertising, which they did a really big. Uh, Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern, two hundred million. What's the what's the what's the inflation on that? It's going to be a little bit. Let's see. Uh, let's do this in uh, inflation calculator. Complete box office, two hundred nineteen million for Green Lantern. So unless Black Adam completely collapses next week, it'll do more well, than that worldwide. I think it's going to probably um, have a sixty percent drop next week. But I'm saying worldwide. The worldwide gross for for Green Lantern is two hundred nineteen dollars. Right. You know. So and Black Adam's at one forty. So. It's going to pass that. Uh, so Green Lantern costs about $60 million more adjusted for inflation. There you go. Um, yeah, the, you know, the things that the big difference is that Black Adam is being released into uh, a, a bigger global market than, than Green Lantern was. There's a lot more money to be made overseas in these days. It's a, it's yeah. a big part of the deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. There we go. All right, what, do, what else we got? Uh, and also, Green Lantern opened up at $53.2 million, by the way. But adjusted for inflation is what it opened yeah. up. It opened up a little bit. It opened up at it's like $70 million adjusted for inflation. Yeah, but nobody nobody in the actual universe cares about But you can't compare them if you don't adjust for inflation. They're different numbers. Yes, you, know what you I mean? like, compare them because they're different movies and it's different times. But you, that's how box office work. You have to compare in some way. You got you got to find a common ground to compare. Once upon a time, they used to do you it have by to find admissions. a common ground to compare tw- movies twenty years apart. That's really they, important. They're 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 not twenty years apart. Um, that movie came I'm out sorry, in 2011. eleven years apart. Green Lantern came out while they were still working on Black Adams. So I think it's totally fair. <laughs> <All right. laughs> They're contemporary the films. Working on Black Adam. <laughs> Those are contemporary films, t- technically. Uh, Black Adam probably started pr- d- uh, uh, development before Green Lantern. Uh, <laughs> I was on the set of Green Lantern. I know. Yeah, and uh, and Jeff Johns took us through the entire movie and storyboards, and um, we all thought it looked pretty good. The storyboards were great. I mean, like it looked really, really good. Well, it had a different ending then. It did have a different ending. Uh, famously, uh, Jordan Hoffman said that it was going to be the new Star Wars. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, he's a friend of mine, so I can laugh about that. It quite certainly was not the new Star Wars. No. It is it rare. That a, uh, what, what's the Star Wars knockoff with uh, with Knight Rider in it? That's what it was. Uh, well, it's very rare when the star of a movie makes another movie where he, in that other movie, goes back in time and kills himself. Rather than make that <laughs> yeah. first movie. Yeah, you don't see that too often. It's a rare occurrence. So, all right. So Black Adam, a huge hit. It's it's a world beater. It's doing, I wouldn't say it's a huge hit. It's doing well. You know, it's doing pretty good. All right, what else we got? For DC. For DC movies, it's doing pretty good. <laughs> see, that now uh, for, for rock movies at DC, it's doing excellently. Well, I mean, it's the biggest opening where, for rock where he's the, the lead, where he's the only star. Yeah, but we discussed this. He's not – he doesn't open movies. No actor opens movies anymore. Let's, let's uh, be honest Tom about Tom Cruise that. does. Tom yeah, Cruise Tom does. Cruise. Tom Cruise is the only one left. I mean, this weekend you had a movie also come out with George Clooney and uh, uh, Julia Roberts, and it made $16 million. That seems crazy considering it's Julia Roberts and, and George Clooney. It should like 
20, 30 years ago, that's a movie that opens up huge. Like, that's the number one movie and whatnot. Yeah, that you know what? Anymore. Actors don't open movies anymore. I think that, that the reason why that – there's a couple of reasons why that is, right, for that movie in particular. One is that it looks like shit. Like, I mean, it just looks fucking – have you watched the trailer to that? Yeah, it looks terrible. Oh, it looks awful. But two, Clooney and Roberts appeal to too old a demographic. The demographic but, that actually goes to the movies is 30 years younger than, than, right, than who, that demo. Who's the stars that appeal to these demographics? Uh, I honestly don't know because I don't know what I don't know what is happening in the box office anymore because the pandemic and streaming has made everything so bizarre. But even I, before that, stars were not opening movies anymore. No, yeah, it was Will Smith and Tom Cruise. Those are the last two guys. Yeah. And I, I would also add, I think, uh, Sandra Bullock, you know, because she still can get people to theaters, but not the way she used to. I mean, maybe. I don't know. It's been a minute since she's had a big movie, right? Uh, she just had Lost City of D. That, was, that did very well. Did that do well? Yeah. I thought that that – I assumed it wouldn't that didn't do that well because it was day and date. I just always assume that when a movie is day and date that it's like, eh, it didn't do that good. No, I saw it in the theater. I really enjoyed it too. I thought it was a very good movie. Uh, it made $190 million. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. That for that kind of movie, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really good for that kind of movie. She still pulls it off. You know, um, the budget on that one, I'm looking this up cause I'm very curious now. Budget according to Wikipedia was 74 million. Oh, what a hit. Yeah. They'll make it. Now they have to make the lost city of E. Yes. All right, what else we got? Oh, it opened. Uh, what did it open at thirty million opening weekend? Thirty million. That's pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. Uh, moving on to another movie that people like to say bombed, but I don't think it did personally. I think it made double its budget, so that's pretty good. Uh, Barry Keoghan in an interview said that he's heard nothing about Eternals, and he keeps texting Kumail Nanjiani for information. <laughs> I was asked, uh, uh, it was an interview with Uproxx. The question was, uh, with Eternals, have you heard anything? Do you know what's going on? Do they keep in contact with you? What's next? And he said, Kumail is the one I'm texting. I'm like, yo, have you heard anything on Eternals 2? Kumail knows everything. You know what I mean? He loves comics. He loves the comic world. Uh, and the interviewer said, they're secretly giving you all the information, and you're just not tell, uh, not telling Kumail maybe that's what's actually going on here. And Keoghan responded, well, no. Uh, I'm always texting him about San Diego Comic-Con. I'm like, hey, are we going to... Uh, San Diego for Eternals, but I'd love to see where it goes. I really would. I would think if they were going to San Diego for Eternals, they wouldn't make him text Kumail, but I don't know. I don't know how Marvel works things. The way that it works is they, I mean, I forget who just said this. It might have been Anthony Mackie, which is like, you get a you phone call. Up, they, they call you like, be there next week. Yeah. yeah, be there Yeah, be there in a week or two. We need you. Like they, These guys, uh, Barry Kagan is not going to have, I think, that much info until the movie actual, or whatever he's going to be in next actually gets going yeah that's my that's my assumption yeah but this i would be shocked thirsty to be in in a franchise he's not he's game. not he's not stupid i think also he just probably just really he grew up with all these movies and stuff right. and he's like i would love to do star wars i'm yeah I'm, I'm hoping i get to do more joker like i think he he does like that kind of stuff he likes that stuff but also like um he uh I think he just knows where the bread is buttered because he gets yes. to make all these kind of really interesting, uh, you know, he's in the new Neil McDonough. Like he gets to make great movies. Yeah. Um, he's and great also, he might want to also like get a second house. Yeah. Well, th because, that was a, an article on, I think Hollywood reporter this weekend about how 
Marvel and DC is the last bastion for actors to really make money, to like make serious millions of dollars. I mean, this is why you're going to see every single actor in a Marvel movie. Yeah. Because there's just no reason to turn it down when this is the most money you're going to make. And you make one of these every, you know, year and a half. And then the rest of your time, you can either not work or you can do whatever the fuck you like. Yep. Yep. Except for Leonardo DiCaprio. He keeps saying he'll never make one. Yeah. Well, Leo doesn't, A, doesn't need to. I actually think it would actually um, hurt his brand. I think that like being one of the last guys to not do one of these. Yeah. Is going to be really positive for him in the long run. Yeah. Because one day, like whatever, the comic book thing will end, right? Like eventually it'll end. And then let's say that the world continues to exist because I'm not 100% sold on that happening. But it is a question of which will end first. <laughs> but let's say the, the world continues to go and the comic book movie thing ends, which it will eventually. Um, whatever comes next, then you get Leo in that when he's like 65. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and then that's a big deal. Like, oh my God, we got, we got Leo in the uh, Adventure Time franchise, yeah. live action it, it, Adventure Robert Time. Robert Redford showing up in Winter Soldier, right? Like that. Yep, kind of it's exactly what that is, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, there All right, what else we got? Uh, Oscar Isaac has said that uh, he's been talking with Marvel about more Moon Knight, but nothing is definite yet. So we'll see where that goes. He was one of the few, I think, who who signed uh, just a one and done deal. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's my understanding. That's what I have read, that he was basically a one-and-done deal, that they're going to have to renegotiate with him. He didn't want to be signed into like 10,000 appearances or whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. But he got to do his own thing with it, and he had a good time. And they probably paid him pretty well. So yeah. like at the end of the day – And he also like, realized that there's a lot of money in it because he was like, let's go make some comic books <laughs> that I could star in. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. He also has recently said that he's open to returning to Star Wars. Oh, which he? is a big shift in his perspective. Oh, you know what that means? What? Somebody's wife is pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> needs needs a little more money. Means somebody had a bad weekend in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Some somebody's accountant was a thief. <laughs> <laughs> but he has changed somebody his tune on Somebody he has changed his, his uh, tune on Star Wars, and it says that he might be interested in coming back and doing more, more Poe Dameron stuff. Yeah. And that's a pretty because he was the I would say until John Boyega super soured on Star Wars, I would say that Oscar Isaac was the most vocal yeah. about being like I just I don't want to do this again. Like I, I I don't I didn't like this. <laughs> and yeah. then John Boyega was like I really didn't like this, and also I feel like they treated me bad like on a racial level, yeah. um, which is pretty heavy. So. We may never get Boyega back, but uh, honestly, the only I could see a Poe Dameron like TV show, like Obi Wan kind of thing. But that's the thing. Like out of those three leads, the one who I most want to follow up with, honestly, is Poe, who doesn't actually have any exciting. Like, is he going to become a Jedi? Is he, it's just like Poe Dameron doing shit. Like, I just kind of would enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He's also the one in those movies we know the least about. We don't know his past. You know, we know nothing about him. We know he dated Zori Bliss. Yes, we know. They made very clear he's not gay. They wanted to make that very clear. No, he's not. Definitely no homo. Yeah. (laughs) As as they as they say in Red Letter Media, they gave him a case of the not gays. (laughs) You got to make it clear for the people. Yeah. Otherwise, they start getting ideas. Yeah. (laughs) What else we got? Uh, That's it. That's all the news. That's all we got, huh? That's all we got. Not much. Not much news this week. No. I don't think I 
I mean, there's the usual goofy rumor stuff, but there's a know, lot of big rumors like going around. A lot of huge yeah. rumors. Yeah. Um, some of them are like clearly nonsense. There's a couple from Silver Surfer is going to be a TV show. Uh, I can't imagine that. That seems crazy. Well, the Cosmics, that's from, that comes from the Cosmic Circus. I don't think that that site is particularly uh, reliable yeah. per se. Um, I don't think any I, of these people are particularly some of them are reliable. Some of them are modestly reliable. Some of them actually have some uh, – a couple of people uh, have some information. The problem is that like, yeah. where their information comes from, that when it is right, it, it may very well be um, – it may very well be – Early in the process, or some tangential things, so they don't yeah. really have a whole yeah. Lot. Things shift all the time, right? Like that is part of it. But there are certain things you read, and it's like I just don't, I cannot believe that at all. The world is weird enough these days that nothing makes me go. I don't believe that anymore. I sometimes I go. I just don't. I, that doesn't seem like. I think they're not doing that. Like it just. I don't think that that's where they're going. But I don't. I have a hard. Once upon a time, I'd say, oh, they're never going to do that. And nowadays, I'm like. Okay, sure. Maybe they will do that. With, with the Silver Surfer thing, it's a thing where I just don't see them being like, yeah, we would do a TV special that has the budget to pull off Silver Surfer. Like, that just doesn't seem likely to me. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe. I mean, they did a She-Hulk TV show. so I, yeah, I, And she didn't look very good, and people complained about it a bunch. And I imagine that they would look at that and be like, we got to really be careful with the CG on these things. Maybe. I don't know how much they you care. Know. Like, people watched it. That's all that really matters at the end yeah, of the day. that's true. The other piece of news that we talked about as a rumor, but it has become true, is that Harrison Ford is playing Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah, I don't like that at all. I don't want to know that that's happening. He's making his first appearance in Captain America, yep. New World Order. Yeah, it's dumb. dumb. Uh, it makes me assume that the first appearance of Thunderbolts is in Captain America New World Order. Yeah, I would imagine they show up at the end right? or something. Yeah. Or maybe they're like part of the whole deal. Do you know what I mean? Like perhaps. Uh hard hard to know. But yeah, what's uh, his name is part of it, right? The leader is part of New World Order. So there's a lot of characters in New World Order. I'm kind of curious about what the plot of this thing is gonna be. Um the leader showing back up, and now that we know we have Scar, and as you as we know, there is a lot of chatter about World War Hulk. Makes me wonder if Captain America leads into World War Hulk. Yes, which would make sense because Falcon and Winter Soldier was dealing with the Super Soldier Serum, and in the in Incredible Hulk, they make it clear that Bruce was working on a Super Soldier Serum, and that's how he became Hulk. And so, Super Soldier Serum and Hulk go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So it all works out in some way. Yeah, and if you have Thunderbolt Ross and the leader in your Captain America movie, you have two significant Hulk characters there. Yeah. So, uh, I guess have we'll any more have any characters been more recast than the Hulk characters in the MCU? No, but only right. only a couple of them. Just the Hulk and Ross, right? I guess so. Yeah. That's it, because nobody else is going to show up. Now, the character who's I think is going to have to get recast at some point if they want to continue on with these characters is Doc Sampson, because he's in the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, um, but that doesn't count, does it? it well, it does. Like, because, I mean, I guess yeah, but he's not. He doesn't turn into Doc Sampson. He's just a, a, like a regular. He's the guy from Modern Family, right? Yeah, but he is. Like, but yeah. he is Doc Sampson, though. Like he is that guy before he yeah. turns into a gamut radiated Doc Sampson. Yeah, uh, the superhero version. Uh, th that was the weirdest casting because it is the guy from Modern Family. What's his name? 
I can't um, remember. I mean, he's pre-Modern Family, I think. So, uh, like, I think at that point he was best known for being the asshole character in in Dawn of the Dead remake. Yeah, he was really really terrific in that. By the way, I didn't he's actually. Great. I watch... think he's a very good actor. I think he's very funny and very good. I did not um, watch that show. I did. Well, I don't know. I enjoyed. That I mean, I heard it's very good. It is. It is very good. It's very what well. Is done. This guy's. What's his name? I can't remember. I don't know what his real name is. Ty Burrell. Yes. Truly weird casting for Doc Samson. If you look at a picture of Doc Samson from the comics, he's a giant muscular guy with flowing green hair. Yes. <laughs> like really yeah. a weird casting choice. Yeah. Because he's just a regular looking big guy, but he has flowing green hair. That's like the one thing. He I has mean, that is the most pre-MCU Marvel casting where they're like, we're going to use the name, but it's not going to be anything like the character. Yep, exactly. Yeah. They're just throwing it in there because people know that there's like, oh, the, the fans are going, oh, wow, Doc, Dr. Samson. Wow, that's, you yeah. know. Um, anyway, uh, I would like to see that character show up though. They probably will yeah. recast him. I'm going to guess. Do you think, uh, Betty's going to show up again? I, that's an incredible question. Hulk is so far removed now from that world. Yeah. Although they brought back abomination and leader. I don't know. I mean, and Thunderbolt Ross, I, I, I don't know. It's, I mean, it would be nice. And would they recast that or would they get, uh, I forgot the actress's name all of a sudden. Liv Tyler back? I think they would try to get Liv Tyler back. Yeah. I think why not? She's a very good actor. There's no reason not to bring her back as far as I can tell. Unless she just didn't want to do it. I don't know how often she's looking to work and stuff, you know? Because I know she's got a family and stuff. And maybe she's like, I'd rather just hang out with my kids or with my husband or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, there's a couple. Sometimes actresses that do that, um, after a couple of years, they're ready to come back. Yeah. And she, I mean, it's been it's been a minute since the Tyler's done that much, so she might be ready to come I back. I think the Invisibles was like her last thing, or not the Invisibles. Uh, the what was that HBO show where like people die, and that's like the stories. The leftovers, the leftovers. Yes, yeah. and she was on that, right? I don't know. I didn't watch that one either. I think she was. On that. I need to watch it. Nobody, nobody, make a comment. I know I need to watch it. I, I totally am more. All right, is that it? That's it for the news. That is it for the news. I guess we're not actually going to talk about Harrison Ford. We talked about it last week. We, we, we neither one of us like it. Not a fan of it. Yeah, yeah. Neither one of us like it. Oh, she's on a TV series now. Oh, is she good for her? She's on Nine One One Lone Star. Oh, she definitely. Oh, no, that, ran, that I guess that only ran for one year in twenty twenty. So I, I suspect that she might like the, the paycheck for. Uh, yeah. Although her dad is, you know, a fucking. Rock she was star, in so. that Astro. Yeah, I mean, she works pretty. Does she work regularly I mean, still? I mean, the last thing on on IMDb here is is twenty twenty. Okay. So, you know. She took the whole pandemic off. Yeah. Good for her, as she should have. Yeah, smart. Um, We have trivia. We do. We have the last two trivia questions in this book. This is the end of it. What do we do next week? I don't know. I got to get another book. All right, go ahead. How many films in the MCU has Chris Hemsworth's Thor appeared in so far? The answer is going to be wrong. Well, we'll see how close it is. Uh, he's been in at least eight. He's been in eight, nine. Um, he's been in nine of them. This is eight. So I would say nine because this came out before Love and Thunder. So that'd be my yeah. guess. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Tony Stark. Part of the journey is the end. In which Marvel film does he say this? Avengers Endgame? Yep. I just, that was a guess. Yeah. Well, Straight mean, guess. 
it's a it's a good educated guess. Like part of the journey is the end. End game. He dies. There you go. <sighs> All right. Are you ready? To, with this week, we're beginning our new off season journey of watching X-Men, the animated series from the 1990s. Are you ready to dive into the first two episodes of X-Men, the animated series? Night of the Sentinel. Yeah. Night of the Sentinel. You ready to do it? Yep. Let's do it. X-Men, the animated series, season one, episodes one and two, Night of the Sentinels, parts one and two. Uh, You and I both watched this program, I think, when it first aired, right? Yeah, I was 15 when this began. We had first watched the unaired X-Men pilot. Yes, Pride Uh, of the X-Men. We got that on on VHS. They released it on VHS. You bought it for me for my birthday. Yeah, and that's the one where uh, Wolverine's Australian. Yes, it's amazing. It just—it's absolute crocodile Dundee hangover. Like that's exactly <laughs> yep. that's what that is. Like a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and uh, that didn't get picked up, but then they came back with another try, and we ended up with this. It became a not a long running show. It ran like about seventy something episodes, but it came out at a really pivotal time for a certain generation of fans. For many of them, this is their introduction to the X-Men. The show itself is surprisingly uh, uh, faithful to the comics. Yes. Not fully, but like way more than you might expect it to be and certainly much more than it needs to be. Yes. Um, And it turns out I didn't believe this. We talked about this in a previous episode of this program and somebody like fucking brought the receipts and proved me wrong. Uh, I wish I remember who it was. I apologize. If you're listening to this, you know that you proved me very wrong, which is that – the success of this show, the, the the general success of this show, is what convinced Fox to greenlight the X-Men movie. I'm not surprised at all. And then the X-Men movie, I think you and I will both agree, is ground zero for where we are right now in comic book movies. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this this show, it's because this show and Batman the Animated Series premiered in the same year. They started in the same year, and they are two vastly different ways to go about adapting comics into animation, in that Batman the Animated Series is not doing stories from from the comics. They do it every now and again, but not very often. But they're more taking the overall mythos of Batman, condensing it into one thing and telling stories, right? And like doing their own thing with it. Where this is essentially like, okay, it's 1992. We're going to do what the X-Men are right now. And they just did it. I mean, this they they look like the Jim Lee designs. The stories are very much from that period, except for like when they go into like Dark Phoenix Saga and whatnot. But like, they are essentially just doing like I can't imagine Jubilee had been around for more than five years by this point, right? Uh, Jubilee was a newer character at this point. I don't know, more than five years, I think. Uh, but she was a newer character created by um, Jim Lee. Yeah. Uh, but uh, she was a uh, she first appeared in, in uh, 1989, so actually it wasn't so, that many years at all. Yeah. yeah. And they, they, they replaced Kitty Pry with Jubilee here. That's yes. essentially what is happening here. Like yeah. this but they is, even kept like her, she's just dressed as Robin costume, <laughs> like which is really pretty impressive. Like, yeah, we're just going to take it. Here it's we so go. funny. They did that in the movie too. They kept more or less her costume. She, I think that weirdly enough, Jubilee ends up being one of the more visually distinctive characters because of the brightness of that coat. Yeah. 
that I think changing it, I think, does feel weird because she doesn't have a costume. She just has this coat she wears and then the red shirt. And again, it is Robin. I mean, Jim Lee made her Robin. Yes, that was, he was, he was, I mean, she premieres in an issue that's goofing on DC Comics where where it's the gene bomb and all that stuff from Invasion, right? So right. that's when she first popped up. So yeah. he was goofing on DC in some way. Yeah. Um, she's a character who – she has a kid now. What? <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's like finding out somebody you went to high school with is like growing up and you're still buying Blue Beetle and Booster Gold toys. Yeah, so I've been reading the uh the new so I fell off of um X-Men for a long time. Um and uh I came back for the new um the new Krakoa run and I'm reading those. I'm I'm like behind on it. So she may maybe no longer has a kid, who knows. Um but she ended up with a kid. Wow. Um, I don't know when she had the kid. Oh, no. You know what? She's, she adopted a kid. She didn't give birth okay. to a kid. I'm looking here. She adopted a kid. But she, she has a kid, though. That's like She's weird. old enough to adopt a kid. That's really weird. That, I, it's an ever-going problem in comic books. Is how some characters age and other ones don't. You're like, what's yeah. going on? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Wait a minute. How's Bruce Wayne 35 and Dick Grayson is in his 30s, too, now? What happened? I wish, I wish you still watched House of the Dragon. Because yeah, yeah. in House they of the Dragon, recasting, yeah. Well, what they do is what's funny is in House of the Dragon they do these time jumps, and then they some of the characters they recast, but some of them they didn't. Yeah. So you have like some characters who like gain 10, 20 years, and then some characters who look exactly the same as they did in the first episode, and they don't even try to do anything to them. And it is the most comic book experience. Yeah. Like watching a guy who has stayed thirty three years old over the course of twenty years while other characters around him age 15 or 20 years. Like that's like, that's Batman's whole life. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's Batman's whole existence is just staying the same age. Uh, Batman is the opposite of Wooderson from dazed and confused. He yes. says, I stay the same age and then keep getting older. <laughs> that's, Look, that's there a, has, to be fair in DC, there has been a push lately to, su- to suggest that Batman is in his fifties. That Bruce Wayne is in his fifties. now. That won't, that won't stick. It's never anything specifically done. It's just the way more and more artists are drawing him. They're drawing him looking a little older. And like it was clearly something that they were doing leading up to the 5G plan. And then that all fell apart. But they're continuing down. The the same with Superman where Superman just got like the gray in his hair now. Like they're just like, yeah, we're just continuing down that path because they have too many children that have grown up. We can't explain like how can they still be in their 30s if if Dick Grayson is in his 30s, if if. Jason well, Todd is in his late 20s, you know. Batman being in his 30s is like especially upsetting because the idea of Batman being born after the release of Ghostbusters, like it's yeah. just like it's just like fundamentally wrong. You're like, no, yeah, that can't weird. that can't be. No. That's not allowed. Uh, it's upsetting <laughs> to me is when it's like, oh man, I'm older than Wally West now. Like that's just a weird thing, you know. How did that I mean, happen? I I aged past Peter Parker and I I made my peace with that. Peter Parker though did age. Yes. He just then halted. Yeah. Which is what they usually do with a lot of these characters, right? They age them up to a certain point and then stop. Right. So Jubilee is probably never going to get significantly older than she is right now in the X-Men comics. She'll always, and her, but what's going to happen is that her kid is going to like in, you're going to pick that, those books up in 20 years and she's going to be a 27 year old mom who has a 19 year old kid. Yeah. That's what's going to. You run into the John Kent dilemma where in the comics, Superman and Lois have a son and he starts off as a baby, and then they cut away for a little while during New 52, and then they come back, and now John Kent is 12, 
and they do a couple of years of stories with him as 12 and then he gets sent off to earth three where he's trapped for five years and he comes back and he's 18 but but for everybody else it's only been two weeks and that's how they aged him up and that really upset a lot of fans a lot of readers so they, were, they cabled him do that yeah they cabled him and and a lot of readers are like why would you do that that's stupid you should have left him as a kid but also like at a certain point, you, you got to age these characters up somehow, but you also can't age up Superman and Lois, right? So, so you got to figure out a way to do it. That's why you got to cable them. I mean, there. so what the cabling is when um, Cyclops and uh, it wasn't it was it, it wasn't Jean Grey, it was um, Rachel, right? Uh, what's her name? Uh, fake Jean Grey, not Rachel Summers. What's oh, her Madeline. name? Madeline. Madeline. Madeline Pryor. Uh, they had a kid, and then they uh, because everybody's like, "Oh, these characters should not have a fucking baby running around." They threw they threw the kid through a fucking wormhole. Yep. As, as you do and uh he popped out again as cable uh and he's like he's cable's like 60 years old or something so yeah he's an old man but that's how you got to do it like that's they also by the way now he's also a teenager yeah cable's like three different characters now isn't he because because yeah. he's a time traveler and there's different timelines and whatnot they do that yeah that's exactly what it is yeah there's a there's currently yeah. um a, a a teenage cable yeah. running around Although again, he might be gone. I'm, I'm, I'm like about a year behind on the X Men comics, so Christ yeah. only knows what is going on there these days. <laughs> I heard they uh, kind of fell apart. They did, and yeah. that was sort of when I kind of really began dropping behind. Was they? Okay. Um, it just sort of like began to feel wheel sp- wheel spinny. Yeah, I think the problem is that they started this new storyline. This is my theory, and we might have people listening yeah, to this Hickman, now. Hickman left halfway through his plan. That's and that's the thing. I think that, but I also think I think the things that Marvel maybe decided that this new status quo is working for them, and what was a story might just become sort of a wheel spinning status quo. Yeah, and that's why I think that's why Hickman left is they were like, hey, we don't want to. He said he's going to come back. Um, I heard he's going to come back, so I don't know. I don't think he left on bad terms. Um, that's my understanding. Yeah, um, and there are good people working and, and on these well, books. He's, he's doing Fantastic Four now, isn't he? So like, it's not like he left Marvel. He's like, I'm out, but he left the X Men books. Yeah, he might come back and wrap it up, like when this time yeah. to end this storyline. Um, yeah, because it has to end. Yes, frankly, yeah. yeah. They're doing uh, a crossover uh, AXE Judgment Day. Yes, Avengers X Men Eternals, and I read yeah. the um, like the zero issue of it. And what's incredible is that uh, it's all Eternals stuff. Kieran Gillen wrote it, and uh, he's really good. Traditionally, very good writer. It, yeah, it's all Eternal stuff, and it was just all baffling to me. Well, that's it how was I feel every time I try to get Netflix. back into Marvel. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like, I just can't figure out anything. And then I go and read, like, different synopsises and stuff. And every synopsis is essentially, I don't know. I can't figure out what's happening. <laughs> like, so it's like, okay. Well, it's like the eternal status quo is, like, really different. And I think that post-Hickman, everybody's making their books way too complicated. Like, the this thing opens with, like um, – there's nine factions of Eternals, and here's how they're split up. And I'm like, no, this is not how I don't. This is not a good way to jump into a story. A, yeah. a, opening opening a comic with a chart is rarely a good way to open up a comic book. Yes, I it, think it, Hickman, it, Hickman the, did it. Yeah, I think he did it, but but he put it like in in the middle and the end, like he didn't open. He would play with them, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then now, I mean, that, that's the movie equivalent of opening with a long monologue that explains everything. That except for Lord of the Rings has never really worked. It's not even a monologue. It's like opening with. It's like when the or when David Lynch's Dune came out. They when you went to the theater, they handed you a fucking piece of paper with like the with like all the with the different words meant. 
They handed you a glossary on the way into the fucking theater. That's what it's like. Because I'm like, I'm looking at this page. And I'm like, why do I have to study a double page spread of the uh, Eternals factions? Yeah. Isn't there a way to get this information across to me? I don't know, in a narrative? Uh, yeah. And I read the first issue and nothing happened. Um, Druig runs the Eternals now. Sure. I didn't know that. And um, he decides on a whim that he wants to genocide the mutants. Yeah, it makes sense. They're getting a little too powerful, and uh, he has some political reasons that he wants to do it too. But the problem is that since the Eternals serve the Earth, and they're there to protect the Earth, when they attack the mutants, somehow the Earth does not allow them to do it. So it has to. Then he has to find a new way to get rid of all the mutants. So okay. uh, I, I honestly don't. It was. I, I'm traditionally a Kieran Gillen guy. Uh, yeah. but I just felt this comic was too too baffling uh it's like it's one of these ones that's supposed to be like you know ax axe number zero or number one you know first strike or whatever like i should be able to read this and not have read anything else yeah should be able to pick it up and go that was not the case we are reading the superman warworld saga the old one or there's a new one there's a new one it's really good yeah yeah it's really like it's very like 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 very sword and sorcery Mixed with like Mad Max, like it's very interesting. Where Superman and the Authority go to War World to take down Mongol and free all the people, and instead they get the shit kicked out of them, and now they're being forced to take part in like all the the uh, uh, glad- gladiatorial games and stuff. And I'm sure this is great. This has happened before. Yes, but I mean, did it just get unraced? Did it get erased from continuity? So they just do it again. Well, no, because I mean, that's the whole thing with Mongol is every time Mongol is killed, one of the Mongol's children takes over and become, and they, they are Mongol who was and Mongol who is like, this goes way back. And I know, so, but it's the same thing, like going to war world and getting involved in gladiatorial games. This has happened. This happened back in the triangle days. Yes. Yeah. But, but, th- but this one, like in that one, he's out there and he just get cap. He gets captured and like gets part of it. This, he went out there to like free everybody and it, it's all gone very wrong. So the, the trap there. The 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 impact is the same. It's just how he got there is different. Well, they, they, in theory, the ending of the story will be very different too. That he's going to free everybody on Warworld would be my guess. I think mostly. they destroyed Warworld in the past, haven't they? Warworld gets blown up every every now and again. Yeah. I feel like if I'm like Mongol Nine, don't do Warworld. Try something different. No, they all do the same thing. They all they do the same shit. That they're, that they're better than their than their father, and that's the whole thing. That's why they always go after Superman because Superman's the only one that ever beats them. And they're like, I'm going to be the one who beats Superman. And then they get their ass kicked. You're not, you're not going to be the one that beats Superman. Everybody should just make some peace with this, frankly. Yeah. But it's a very you, good story. You, you could be the one who hides out from Superman or the one who tricks Superman, but you can't yeah. beat him. Yeah. But, so uh, do you want to talk about this cartoon show that we watched? I don't know. We've only been talking for about 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we can dig into it. Uh, so it opens with a newscast. It opens the newscast of Sabretooth wrecking shit. And Sorry, it opens with a great theme song. We cannot skip over the theme song. People will get very angry. We're going to do this every episode? We'll talk about the theme song every episode? No, we'll just do it this first time. Okay, it's a good theme song. It's a great theme song. I'm going to edit into this podcast, in fact. Uh, with the stitching go. between the um, opening and this is going to be uh, some some version of the theme song. Maybe I'll try to find a cool cover, or maybe I'll just use the original version. Who knows? We'll find out. Yeah. In fact, you're listening to this. You, you, already, you already know. You, you know what is in my future. It's pretty wild, isn't it? Crazy. But what they know as your future is actually your past. When they're, when they know it. Yeah. 
Whoa. <laughs> Sabretooth is wrecking shit uh, downtown. And we don't know where that is, just downtown. And the news uh, reporter says that um, he's believed to be a mutant, and this is fueling anti-mutant hysteria that has been spreading across the nation. Uh, and Sabretooth picks up a car and throws it like at the camera. Um, yeah, he blows up. I guess he hits a helicopter, a newscopter. Something, yeah. I mean, um, and then they showed the footage of the newscopter exploding and everyone inside dying. That's really they messed pu- up. well. You know, they were dedicated, so they said, you know, "We don't want John to die for nothing. We're going to pull that film out of the wreckage." <laughs> God damn, you have to make his death worth something. Um, we see um, Jubilee's parents are watching this television program, and yes. uh, they are saying, "Oh my gosh, uh, she is one of them." Uh, she needs help. And uh, the woman says, oh, how can we register her with the mutant control agency? Like she's a criminal. And we see that upstairs, um, Jubilee's listening. Yeah. Uh, and these are her parents. And I was watching this and I said, what did they make Jubilee not Chinese? Yeah. It takes like, a while to explain that she's a foster kid. She's a foster kid. Yeah. yeah. I was like, why does she have white parents? Yeah. Now, maybe she has confused. white parents in the comics. I honestly don't know. I honestly yeah. could not tell you. Yeah. I was um, confused at first. She um she hears this. She's in her full outfit. She's like hanging around the house with like the coat and the sunglasses and everything. Yeah. yeah. I also I do like that the mom is like, I can't to the dad is like, I can't believe you signed her up for the mutant registration program. They're gonna they're gonna hunt her down. And the dad's like, What do you want me to do? Look what she did to the VCR. And it's like, that's fucked up, dad. <laughs> well, he also <laughs> says they're gonna help her. Like, so yeah, like, yeah, he believes it's a system that helps. Yes. I don't think he yeah. does, but he, he that's what he says. And, um, and also he hugs his wife and pats her ass, which I, I greatly appreciated <laughs> that little bit of animation. I was like, oh, look at that. That's a weird thing to do. But this show, as it turns out, is filled with like a lot of weird little things going on. Yeah, it sure is. A yeah. lot of like a lot of animators just sneaking things through. <laughs> yep. Uh Jubilee's like crying on the top of the stairs. She goes, Why can't I be a normal kid? And then outside a sentinel flies and lands on the street, uh, crushes a street light, and then a dog starts barking at it. Um, yeah. It tries to kill the dog, and the dog runs away. Yeah, uh, bad, bad opening for the Sentinel that he can't catch a dog. So, you know what's funny? This is the same introduction of, um, is it Optimus Prime in uh, the first Transformers movie? Is it? It's the same thing. The giant robot outside the kid's house, dog barking at it. Like, it's the exact same shit. No, well, there you go. I can't remember if it's Optimus Prime or Bumblebee. I think it might be Bumblebee. Um, but it's the same shit though. Like it's like yeah. like I, I was watching it. So I'm like, God, this is the Transformers movie, which came out years and years later. Yeah. Um that dog does come back though. He's Sabretooth, right? No, later on, I'm Wolverine says he went to the house and he couldn't find Jubilee. He goes, Got bit by a dog. <laughs> so I can only well, imagine dog, it was that dog. The dog came back, but he didn't he ain't coming back again after that. Let me tell nope. you, bite Wolverine. Yep. Um, so the Sentinel's looking for Jubilee on the street and then downstairs that's when they talk about this VCR thing and lots of like, damage. Oh yeah. Like Just smashing up the street and somehow in the house, they don't hear any of this. Nobody hears anything. It's really incredible. <laughs> uh, the robot, the Sentinel gets to Jubilee's bedroom and he, he looks through the window with his uh, red eyes and like illuminates the room and he smashes through the wall and grabs at the bed. It crushes uh, it. Yeah, there's nothing inside of it, though. Um, but he then thinks the parents, she's in there. Yeah. So he's just going to kill her. Yeah, sure. It's a sentinel, man. But later on, I don't know. It's weird. Uh, so the parents run up and they go, oh, my God, Jubilee, are you okay? And they see the destruction and they do not know what's happening. We see Jubilee, though. She made it. She left, I guess, 
before this all happened and she's playing video games in an arcade mm-hmm. but um while she's playing she gets a little too excited and uh she starts thinking about her parents and gets upset and then she um fries the video game yep. using her uh her electrical fireworks power yep yeah very sad um uh, that but outside the mall, the Sentinel shows up and starts trashing cars on the parking lot, walking <laughs> over people. Yeah, everybody's screaming and freaking the fuck out. Like it is not great. Um, one kid says, "Hey, mom, buy me one of those." Yes. Uh, it uh, woman runs, tries to get a, a a cop to help, and in the truest thing that's in this episode, the cop goes, "What do you want me to do about it?" Uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you want truly, me to do? Arrest it. Truly, uh, how the police uh, behave. Uh, they really yeah. nailed it. Yeah. Um, and so the robot is coming into the arcade. Uh, Jubilee is uh, yelled at by the manager because he goes, you know, well, you know how much these things cost? And she goes, yeah, she a, quarter. a quarter. And then she yeah, does the, good. how is her dropping her sunglasses not uh, like a, a regularly used GIF? I don't know. I don't know. It's like big David Caruso sunglasses energy, right? Like, it's yeah. like, I, how do you not do that? Yeah, I don't know. People, people love this show. Yeah. People are, I, I think he, partly because, as we can see on Disney+, Plus, they've never, like, updated the quality. Like, the like it looks like it's just straight off of a VHS, and it just doesn't look very really good. really does look like a VHS, yeah. 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 So I think that's part of it. Um, Julie runs away from the arcade. The guy's yelling after her, but then we don't mutants. And she says, you're so stupid. Um, and then she bumps into two broads and uh, knocks them over. Uh, and then uh, Storm kills with a lightning bolt because yep. uh, <laughs> that's, the end. that's the end of that. I mean, that was uh, no, uh, it is Julie yells at them and says, watch where you're going and takes off. And then uh, it's Rogue and Storm, uh, although we're not supposed to know who they are yet. Uh, yeah, she uh, Julie's running. She runs. Past, By the way, they're wearing street clothes. It's very important for later. They are wearing street clothes um, yeah. and they are buying more street clothes. Yes. I wonder and if the mall, I wonder if the mall scene in, was it Age of Apocalypse has the mall scene? Which one has the mall scene? I think it's Age of Apocalypse. I wonder if that's influenced by this. I believe, well, this is influenced by Jubilee's first appearance where she first showed up in a mall hmm. and they were all shopping. Hmm. So, uh, so uh, people are running away from the monster. There's a bookstore upstairs and uh, Gambit in his Full fucking outfit. Fully dressed up. <laughs> yep. He's got his he's got his weird helmet thing on. He's wearing, yeah. <laughs> he's got, it's he's like got a, his devil star on his chest. The whole thing. It's so funny. Yeah. And the lady at the bookstore is just, I mean, she's like throwing herself at him. Yes. Like yes. throwing herself at him. It yeah. is embarrassing. She started her. a guy dressed like that, and this is pre-Matrix, so it's real weird. And he's buying 20 cases of of playing cards also you know what i'm gonna say this so it's, i think it's important to note that i hate gambit yes he's i've hated gambit player. since his first appearance i've always hated gambit yeah but separate from that i'm convinced and nobody can convince me otherwise that gambit smells bad i think that yeah. he is one of the characters that i most believe smells bad sure um i believe that his coat stinks yeah i believe that his hair is greasy and gross yeah and I also believe that as a Cajun, he has a diet in spicy foods that makes him just generally radiate stench. Yep. And so I think that Gambit is probably the smelliest of the X-Men. Mm. And who do you think smellier? I mean, 
Nightcrawler, when he teleports, he leaves behind a scent of sulfur, and I imagine that that scent follows him. So that's I don't think bad. so. If you fart, it doesn't follow you. It follows you for a second, but you let it go. But, I don't know. I don't also, know. Kurt is like a, a pretty like – He's a debonair guy. He's a debonair guy. He's going to take care yeah. to like – yeah. you know wash himself down and stuff wolverine i don't think i also think i think that he might stink at times but i, I think, think wolverine seems very clean because he has heightened senses so like smell is he, very he can really tell him. that he stinks yeah. um, there's that great bit in ultimate marvel team up where wolverine and spider-man switch minds so peter is in wolverine's body and he has his powers and he's walking down the street and he's like god all of you stink every single one of you smell so terrible <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorite comic book moments of all time because it never occurred to me that Wolverine just all around him is even people that are clean he smells their stink you know it's like that's amazing yeah but it's like a dog a dog doesn't mind the stink the dog yeah. is part of like how a dog identifies yeah, and understands you. yeah yeah, yeah but for like Peter being in it for all of five minutes no yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah um but I still think that Gambit's the smelliest I think it, Beast I think probably is, smells like shampooing air and conditioner Yes, I think Beast keeps himself very well clean. Beast goes through like horse shampoo, fucking by the by the ten gallon jug. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know who else would stink worse than Gambit. I just I'm convinced Gambit smells. I think he's never washed that coat. I would I would believe that. Um, he's hitting on the girl, and then um, nobody notices the, ro- the robot <laughs> pounding around in the parking lot uh, uh, until the robot. Um, finally does come in um so we uh the robot comes after jubilee she runs away and uh it identifies her as its target it's gonna shoot a cable at her um it gets her she it wraps around her and then uh standing outside the elizabeth secret store yep uh i guess they were about to go by lingerie i guess so uh the um rogan storm realized that something is up yeah and uh people run screaming and rogue goes, I wonder if it's a sale. I mean, which is like a joke, right? But like, also like this, I feel like, like what's funny is that I don't think it would take the people screaming to alert you that there's a giant robot. Crash through the the front of the mall. I can't be very well aware. Really, Totally tuned into this by now. I mean, this, these sentinels are constantly smashing through things and like people four feet away do not hear it at all. It's amazing. Uh, the Sentinel has her, and then all of a sudden, uh, there's thunder, and Storm says, Storm, Mistress of the Elements, commands you to release the girl. And uh, she shoots lightning. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Rogue gives her a little bit of jokey business, and then uh, we now have a thing where the robot scans them and can't you know, doesn't know who they are. So uh, there's a couple of things that I feel like is interesting. Very this lazy is, Sentinel. Uh, this is very clearly the very first time the X-Men have ever done, ever done anything. Yeah, well, well the, later on, Professor X says, I, I, I knew one day the world would know about the X-Men, but I didn't think it would be like this. So we know this is like their first outing, so to speak. And we also but know I feel this like is the first time they've seen the Sentinels. They've never done anything, though, I think. No, yeah, they, they've just been training, I guess. They just hang out at the mansion and go to the mall. Yeah. Not, not a bad life, frankly. No. Um, so the Sentinel uh, looks at them and goes, unidentified mutants, ignore. It's like, really? Your whole thing is to kill all the mutants. <laughs> like, what do you mean? That's weird. What a um, Storm bastard. changes, Storm changes into a costume somehow. Uh, like it just comes on her and, she uh, there's like a Iceman and Firestar from, uh, yeah. Spider-Man is a friends. Uh, she, uh, zaps the cable. Julie drops. She grabs her. Um, and so Storm and Jubilee, uh, 
go and land. Uh, Rogue flies up, punches the robot. It the robot goes, oh! <laughs> so That's good. Very hard. Uh, so Rogue is fighting the robot. The robot slams her. Um, and uh, Gambit is still just having a conversation. Yeah. There's a full-on robot battle happening directly outside the store. Yeah. Like less than 20 yards away from him. Yeah. Uh, but finally he um, uh, does have to go walk out and says he'll return soon yeah. to the lady that he has been. Uh, yeah. Uh, After the Sentinel crashes through the front of the store. Yes. Yeah. Um, so now there's like some more fighting with the Sentinel, yada, yada, yada. Uh, there's a, there's a whole bunch of, of business. Uh, Jubilee is not happy about any of this. Um, Storm helpfully says this is a robot. Yes, you make it very uh, clear. But this is a robot. That's a very helpful, which I think is the I think that's a cartoon thing, so that in a moment when Cyclops beheads it, yeah, there is okay. zero question that he has beheaded a robot. Yeah, it's okay. It makes it okay. Um so uh then Jubilee gets rescued by 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 Gambit and uh, uh Gambit shows his powers. You know what's funny is that watching we just watched Black Adam. Yeah. And when the movie ended, I felt like you, most people just did not have a great sense of what each of these characters could do, like what their deal was. Yeah. This cartoon in like four and a half minutes really just sets up everybody's powers exceptionally well. Yeah. Yeah. I think by the end of the sequence, these characters you have, except for the fact that nobody ever understands Cyclops' powers, um, it's because they're, they don't understand, not, not because it's never been explained. Um, this all feels pretty clear to me, like what everybody does. It, it was, yeah, really- well, I mean, Storm directly says what her powers are because she gives a, a brief monologue. Where she doesn't talk about her mistress of the elements. She doesn't talk about her, her, her other power set, but she talks about her. She does show her powers that in the comics she stole from Captain Marvel. Yes. Um, but I think in this show, she, she just has them, I think. Yeah, she just has them in this. And, and But later on, she does explain her other powers. She has a monologue. She does later on explain her other powers. Yeah. Um, I'm just really impressed by how well this show does this. There's like a lost art to this kind of like compact, obvious narrative. Yeah. That a lot of times movies and TV shows today don't want to do. Nope. But I felt very uh, grateful for how this very quickly gets everything out of the way. Also, they give everybody enough time to have a little bit of a thing where you go, that person's funny, that person's serious, that person is this. Like you you get it. Like you understand them by the end of the sequence. Um, so, uh, there's one Southern exactly. <laughs> Jubilee runs out into the parking lot. She bumps into Cyclops and he says, get down. And, um, she starts passing out and, and she got gassed by the Sentinel. She got gassed by the Sentinel. Um, Cyclops, uh, goes and uh, knocks his head off with a, uh, his, his, his energy beam. Yeah. It's really important to know if you're at home and don't know this Cyclops' energy beams are just force. Yes. They have no heat. Yeah. And they are like getting punched in the face. They're not like a laser blast a laser, kind of. Yeah, yeah they're uh, concussion blasts. Yeah, and that's I mean those are rarely yeah. used as concussion blasts even right. in the comics. He cuts through things all the time and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with enough force, you can cut through anything. I mean, yeah, like, but you know, it's just a hurricane will drive a pen through a tree, right? Yes, I mean, yes, like, but, but they just don't really use it very often as a concussive blast, you know. 
Jubilee passes out. She wakes up. She's in the infirmary, and she is hooked up to some machines. And she gets totally hooked up to the machines, by the way, because the blood pressure thing is over her glove. <laughs> so not going to be useful. I love it's the old. I mean, it's animation. That's what thing. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Like, I love that stuff. It just yeah. makes me so happy when they just do that because it just I mean, feels later on. Rogue silly. takes off her glove and she still has her glove on, and that I laugh <laughs> at that too. You know, it's like she's holding a glove, like she's holding a glove in a gloved hand, and her other hand also has a glove, and it's like they just, you know, what are you going to do? Like. 90s Saturday morning animation. Nobody was like really freaking out over it too much. Um, she is locked in, but she uses her powers to bust open the lock. And she says, oh, being a mutant does have its upside. And she starts walking around this hallways, this place that she's in. And she comes across Beast in his lab. And again, like in terms of like the uh, economy of storytelling here, Beast is hanging from the ceiling doing an experiment. And so we see his agility. And he is also like doing Saturday morning smart guy talk. Yes. You know, uh, and so like you get it, like you immediately get what this guy's deal is. I mean, this is, this is the clip they sent to Frazier when they were like, do you want to be in beast in the X-Men movie? She's like, after seeing that 10 seconds. Yes. Wow. That's true. No, I have no idea. <laughs> I was making a joke. She runs uh, away from this blue hairy man. Although I think he might be, is he blue or black? He's blue, but I think that he might've been supposedly black originally. Cause the way that the coloring in comics works. There's no, a lot of characters blue. who are blue, who the blue is supposed to be highlights. I think he was always blue. Was he always fully blue? I mean, I mean, first he was human looking and then he, used right, but then he eventually became cured himself and he became blue. I'm pretty she sure. Runs, he's blue. I, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's always looked like that. I just never knew what the intention was. Yeah. Cause there's some of those early comics, especially with the four color process. Yeah. They, they would do blue to be with black highlight or black with blue highlights, but a lot of blue in there. And then we would sort of believe that that was blue. You know, people thought Superman's hair was blue a lot. Yeah. Because it's heavily blue because yeah. of the highlights. Yeah. She runs uh, down the hallway. And she hears a TV. Um, Robert Kelly is on the news and he's attacking mm-hmm. the he's uh, he's denouncing what happened in New Salem Mall. It says the mutant menace, the violence of mutants. And she sees a man sitting on a couch watching it. And then he changes shape into Robert Kelly and uh, cackles. Uh, makes a joke in cackles, changes back. Then he watches an advertisement for a cologne, Aggression by Calvin Cologne. Uh, and he changes into the guy in the ad. Yep. And then the news chain comes back on and there's Jubilee on the news. And uh, the TV announcer says, was she kidnapped by the mutants? And then the guy changes into Jubilee. Uh, yep. And this really freaks Jubilee out. And, she and he has her voice off. somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Which he doesn't do later on. He changes into a guy later on in this base, and he, he just sounds says, like a frog man. Yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> it's, like, you get out <laughs> it's really funny. Um, she runs into a room that has a bunch of chairs and monitors, and there's a whole bunch of shit going on the monitor screen. We see Domino. We see uh, Domino. We see Cannonball. Yeah, yeah. and uh, there's also a uh, ad for the uh, Genosha Beach Inn. So there's yeah. a lot of stuff being laid down here. It's pretty interesting. That's pretty good. Um, and then we also see uh, Sabretooth again. Yes. Um, so she turns everything off and she is like, um, I, I'm like, what's going on here? And then she hears people talking behind her. And there is Professor X in his hover chair walking with Jean Grey. And uh, that's when he says, I knew the X-Men would be public eventually. I just didn't think it would yeah. be like this. They and- are apparently just walking in circles in the circular room, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> From what I can figure out. <laughs> Um, so 
which I, I, I enjoyed that. That they were just on the other side of the giant sentinel head, so they couldn't see Jubilee. And then they come around this sentinel head. They uh, Gene realizes the monitors are all turned off, and so Professor X touches his forehead, and he um, has a montage where he sees Jubilee standing outside. Uh, and she runs away as he turns down the, the door. Then an alarm goes off, and the alarm is, like, really intense. Yes. It's like, code three, intruder. Like, you brought her here. She's not an yeah, intruder. Yeah, she's not an intruder. Yeah. It's messed up. She runs and then she fi- runs in front of this room. There's a door and above it, there's a sign that says danger room. Um, there's a thing I really liked about watching this cartoon from the 1990s, which is that um, all of the signs are all hand lettered. Yes. Yeah. There's like, because they, they don't have the technology or they don't have to the bother. They don't bother doing it. It's just like literally an animator just wrote danger room and they did not like even use a ruler. Like it's, it's very like crooked. Like yeah. some of the letters are smaller than other letters. Yeah. Later on, when they're at the mutant control agency, the mutant control agency like logo looks exactly like that too. It's like clearly yeah. written by hand yeah. by somebody who was not trying. Yeah. Um, pretty, uh, pretty incredible. Uh, Beast comes running up behind her. So she runs into the danger room <laughs> and she starts pressing buttons. <laughs> he runs on the wall. It's so goofy. Looking. It's so goofy looking. Uh, she runs into the room and the computer voice says it's starting the gambit wolverine training sequence and as soon as she gets in there it's dark and then a brick wall shows up and then it turns into concrete and it turns into metal and then it turns into rock and she's like what the hell's going on and the big spiked ball comes flying at her head she ducks gets out of the way and then gambit shows up and says mon chéri this is nowhere for you to be um and then all of a sudden bang 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 fucking wolverine's claws bust through the wall and it's the the classic yellow and black Wolverine outfit. Yes. Beautiful outfit. Great, great outfit. I mean, I, you know, I grew up with the, um, the tan one, yeah, the brown uh, one. mostly, yeah. but, uh, but I, I like this one very much. Yeah, I agree. Um, Gambit and Wolverine, like start fighting. Uh, and, um, I don't know why they're fighting like while she's there. Well, the, it's a little confusing. Cause when she goes, like she short circuits, the machinery to get inside, and then it says Gambit Wolverine scenario, like goes live, right? And I was like, oh, it's going live because she's short circuited the machines and now she's trapped in there and they're going to have to get her out. But no, Gambit and Wolverine are in there. So they set that up. And then they see that she's in there and like, we might as well just continue practicing. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, no point in stopping this now. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, they, they go all the way. Like Wolverine beats Gambit and makes him say, uncle, yeah. uncle. Uh, and, uh, then the door opens up and, um, everybody else shows up and, uh, Wolverine's, uh, mad because she has shot him with sparks because she, she sees the guy that saved her earlier. And then this like monster guy over him. And so she shoots Wolverine and Storm's like, is the the child all right? And Wolverine goes, she won't be for long. Yeah. Um, Beast and and Morph laugh, which I liked. I like that they laugh at him. They all, yeah, they, yeah. The thing is that in these first two episodes, they really have the relationships down pat. Really well. Yeah. Yeah. Really good stuff. Um, so Jew was like, what the hell's going on here? Where am I? And Beast's like, oh, this is like a gymnasium and a survival course. We call it the danger room. And then Stormly takes Jubilee to the roof of the mansion and starts giving her like sort of like the backstory. And it's like, so we're mutants. Yeah. Professor X started this thing. We're his students. We're his X-Men. Um, and we are here to do good things. And yeah. you're going to be safe here. And then, and then she, she sort of shows like, up her powers a little bit. Yeah, to really hammer home what her deal is. Yeah. And then they um, didn't animate the full scene, so they just cut to a shot of the mansion for the last, like, two lines. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, we forgot, um, to, we forgot this bit. 
And Storm's like, oh, this is Professor Xavier's school for the gifted. And Jubilee goes, gifted? That just means mutants or weirdos. Um, I This was from the 90s, and I really was like for a second, like, oh, my God, is she going to drop the R word? <laughs> I thought so, too. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, this could happen. This is like 1992. That is yeah. within the realm of possibility. Yeah, I guess not for a second. They were saying the N word like every episode. So, like, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> you back never then. know. You never know. Um. Jubilee then says, uh, you're all too old for school, which is very funny because she does uh, acknowledge the idea that like the, this team is a later team yeah. and is not really doing that much of the school stuff. Yeah. There's um, no students. There's no other students there. For moments there's like. no students. No, there's no yeah. students. Um, and, uh, Storm brings up a windstorm and says, this is the people uh, who hate us. Uh, and Storm's like, the people who hate us. They don't understand us. Anyway, inside the team, inside the mansion, Xavier is talking to everybody. And he says, we got a piece of the robot's brain. And uh, it's got a picture of Jubilee with it and her information. And uh, Wolverine comes in. Rogue's like, take a load off. Yep. Hey, Wolverine, take a load off. Uh, that was not right. Yeah, you didn't get that one at all. I like Rogue's voice a lot. Yeah, yeah she's good. There's like there's like a husky quality to it that I quite yeah. like. It's very Delta Burke. Um, Xavier notices that this identification picture comes from the Mutant Control Agency registration files. So now the thing is, he goes out of his way because Cyclops goes, "Oh my God, the government is plotting against mutants." And Xavier goes, "This is Saturday morning cartoon. The government's very good." Uh, well, in fact, well, but this is what I like about it, is Cyclops is oh my god the government is, is capturing mutants and he goes no no Cyclops uh, the mutant registration agency is separate from the government although the government does fund it so that means it's part of the government <laughs> <laughs> like that means it's, it's a government agency if the government funds it right like am I yeah, crazy well not really like you're just like a, there's like contractors that work for the government like yeah. Boeing's you know, or, or, or yeah. you know what I mean like yeah. they sell things to the government they don't yeah. they aren't the government but you have to get clearances and stuff yeah um, and, I mean later on the president tells them like yeah, we're cutting off your funding so like yeah the show is yeah. a little bit it's I think it's it doesn't want to quite do the the US government is bigoted thing like it doesn't quite want to get there but it's well, I mean the show is so, so woke a woman president <laughs> um Back at Jubilee's house, there's a dude in the living room. It's Henry Peter Gierick, who is a character who used to be an, ex- an Avengers character. Yep. He was the Avengers government liaison, yep. and he was a total piece of shit, and he's now an X-Men character. Isn't he dead? I thought he, he was dead. He might now. be dead now, I mean, but he like worked his way into the X-Men yeah, he I don't know, he may have actually begun as the X Men, gone to the Avengers, and come back to the X Men. I'm not really a hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure he belongs to the X Men rights package, which is why he never showed up in any of the MCU movies. Yeah, that's why there's a Phil Coulson and not a Henry Peter Gierick. Yeah, because um, Coulson sort of uses does his role, except that Coulson's not a total asshole. Yeah, and Gierick's yeah. a real piece of shit. Yeah, he's a, he's a very bad There's guy. a story, I think it's Gierick, actually it's really fucking funny, um, uh, where he says that the Avengers need to have a black guy, and uh, the Avengers say no. <laughs> uh, because they don't want to just do, like, they want to, like, have everybody on the Avengers really be uh, uh, chosen for a good reason, and there's somebody, yeah. uh, it's Falcon they want. Uh, he wants to be as the the guy. Um, 
And it's 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 Gierick. And uh, he says, uh, we need equal opportunities for minorities. And uh, the Avengers are like not psyched about it, frankly. Um, but uh, uh, Hawkeye says, why Falcon? Why not me? Uh, he says that Bozo's only powers are flying and rapping with birds. Jeez. <laughs> uh, uh, and Iron Man says Hawkeye's right. Uh, Garrick, uh, we can't risk the whole team on an untried member who might not be able to handle it. Well, there you go. Um, it's a really wild- we had we we made an entire team of morons who couldn't figure out anything after like issue twelve. Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, it is, uh, it is very interesting. It is, Avengers uh, so white. uh, that's from night. That that's from, that's 19, that's 1997. It's, <laughs> it's like not that it's like the eighties. It's like Avengers 181. So it's sometime in the eighties. Um, it's like a, it's like an affirmative action storyline. Like I think at the end of the day, I think it's, I mean, black Panther's in this sequence. I don't know if he's on the team. Um, uh, anyway, I, they did the same thing with Avengers where green arrow, was like we you mean need Justice a, League. Uh, I'm sorry, in Justice League, where Green Arrow was like we need a black guy in this team, and Flash was very racist about it. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, um, he's, he's like Flash is like, you, isn't going to be about ability and not color. The like, funny thing is that Henry Peter Garrick being a total asshole, being the guy that says we need minorities on this team, is a lot like Ghostbusters, where the EPA yeah. guy is a total fucking asshole. It's like so 80s. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was a weird time. The Reagan yeah, era I, was a very weird time. <laughs> Really not great. But, where, where uh, the assholes were guys who were like, don't don't destroy the planet. <laughs> it was like, what a buzzkill this guy is. Yeah. Uh, it's Garrick and he shows a picture of Rogue and Storm to the parents. Says, do, do, do you know these two? And uh, this is when we learned that Jubilee's a foster because Martha's like, we don't know her friends. She's only been with us for a year. And they say her she keeps her secrets to herself. Jubilee's on the bus. Um and then she's kind of running back to her house. But when she gets near her house, she sees a sentinel standing around. Well, no, no, no. First she walks by a sentinel who's hiding behind a tree. <laughs> Let's be very <laughs> clear. <laughs> Which made me laugh. So he's like pushed up against the building and a, and a tree between him and the building. Or it, he's between the tree and the building. And it's like, that is hilarious. That is undeniably hilarious. This is one of a couple of times where they try to create a perspective for the sentinel to make him look really big. But all yeah. that really which is, is making his head look tiny and <laughs> like a little pinhead up there. Yeah. Uh, I kind of really enjoyed that. Um, but uh, she realizes that she is not safe there. There's a, actually a bunch of sentinels and then one of them traps her and knocks her out. Yeah. And then Garrick shows up and is like, good work robots. Um, back at the mansion, Xavier uh, shows everybody the uh, mutant troll agency's headquarters. And, and Wolverine's changed in his street clothes. He is. Yeah. He says that the building has uh, files on hundreds of registered mutants um, who were tricked into revealing who they were. And Wolverine's like, well, we're going to get in and destroy them all. And Gambit's like, I can get in there, no problem. And Xavier says, no, don't, no, no. here's the deal. He says it's going to be Storm, and she's going to bring in Wolverine, Beast, and Morph. That's that's the team for this. Um, and Spoilers, uh, that is not the team for this. Xavier they walks out. <laughs> Xavier <laughs> walks out. <laughs> Lavoie Xavier floats out and Cyclops comes along and he's like, listen, uh, you know, I'm really worried about this. Things are pretty t- uh, horrible these days. He's like, I believe in peaceful coexistence, but like, it seems pretty intense. And uh, Xavier's like, oh, we have no choice. 
So um, Logan walks up to Cyclops and immediately starts fucking razzing him. Yeah. Uh, he calls him a teacher's pet. And uh, Cyclops like is it threatens to shoot uh, Wolverine. And Wolverine's like, fight anytime. And he, he fucking pulls out his, pops out his claws. And then Jean Grey shows up and says, boy, stop. Um, she says, boy, stop. I went to check on Jubilee and she's missing. And Logan's like, I'll go look for her. And well, Cyclops this is like, when we get Logan's uh, catchphrase. What does he say? He said, because Logan's like, I'm going to go find her. And Cyclops says, no, we have a mission to do. And Logan says, I go where I want to go, which he says three times across these two episodes. <laughs> so he clearly, that was going to be his catchphrase. Uh, I'm the that best at what I do. So I'm the best at what I do. And what I do is going where I want to go. <laughs> so I go uh, where I want to go. He does. I wrote it down every time he says it. So we keep track. Um, that, and, and Morph has a catchphrase too. So. I'm dead. Uh, uh, looks like clear sailing from here, which he says three times across these two episodes. Wow, that's crazy. Yep. Uh, Wolverine walks past Gambit, shoves him. Gambit's about to fucking throw a card at Wolverine, and uh, Cyclops (laughs) says, give it up. And uh, says, you know, Logan's not worth it. And then uh, the the jet flies by, and we see uh, Rogue and Beast are um, in the jet. They get off. I mean, yeah, so I guess it really is just every fucking character. Everybody goes. Like yeah. Everybody goes. And now she, now Rogue tells her origin. Says when she was 13, she had a boyfriend. She kissed him, and then he went to a coma for three days. And she realized that if she absor- touches anybody, she absorbs their strength. Yep. And she uh, shows how much strength she has by throwing a boulder. Um, and... Uh, she says, that's when the boy stopped calling me. And Beast is like, oh, well, you know, you're you're lucky. I, I have dandruff. Yeah. And uh, Morph says some bullshit. They're they're like walking. They're like doing their like they're walking, talk about like their their histories. They get to the top of the hill. Storm's looking through binoculars and sees a guard tower and a guard gate. And so Rogue's like, hey, Beast, so, uh, you know, you're so smart. Why are we the way that we are? And Beast is like, I don't know, gamma rays, pollution, ozone, maybe television. Uh, Morph says, it's progress. Wolverine says, it's lousy luck. And here he is sitting in the train, and he goes, you guys make a lot of fucking noise. Um, When he says they got bit by the dog. He got bit by the dog. (laughs) I like that. I like, like, that's a nice little, that's a funny little touch where he's like, they're like, did you find her? He's like, oh, someone cold outside her house, got bit by a dog too. No, it's really good. It's really, really good. It really is excellent. Um, so uh, Rogue makes it cloudy so they can sneak up on the base. Um, uh, Beast throws Morph over the um, the fence. Yeah, no, uh, the guard there. the guard hears something, runs out. Um, he runs up to Morph, and Morph changes into the guard, and then he shoots him with a knockout gas gun. He changes into the guard maybe a foot away from the guard. Uh, well, no, he's going to, I think the premise is that he takes his identity. Yeah. He sees the guard, takes his identity. He's going to now walk around as the guard, yeah. I think. It's just a funny bit to me. It's funny as a knockout guest. It's like a Batman villain. Yeah. Um, and then the other guys follow them. They show up. They um, they run into a guard. Wolverine's going to chop the guard to pieces. And instead, Storm kills him with lightning. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it's a more animation-friendly way to do it. It's like so funny. Like she just fucking nails him with lightning. That cannot be good. Yeah. Uh, and they go on, they go into the door and uh, they get into the, um, into the building. Wolverine uh, opens the lock with his claws and then Beast is like, I had the keys. And, uh, but as soon as they get in, Wolverine stops them and uh, says, 
Uh, says, you know, can you see the, and that's what we said. There's like electronic beams here. And he's like, I can smell the ozone. And then this is how you know it's the nineties because it's got the red lasers everywhere. Like that's yes. such a nineties like thing. It's like having to sneak past the red lasers. Yeah. That is, and that she, does not happen anymore since that movie entrapment perfected, it. <laughs> perfected it. Yeah. Uh, Storm creates a mist that they can see the beams. And then uh, it doesn't even make a difference because uh, Beast just like climbs the pipes over the beams anyway. Yes. He opens the – Beast sees, uses the keys to open a security box and then uh, turns off the, the beams. Makes and continues to down. prove how annoying he is because he's like, security, are any of us truly ever secure? Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> I like Beast in this. <laughs> uh, they're outside. The rest of the team is watching – Rogue is like, you look nervous. And Cyclops is like, boy, I just want to know what's going on in there. And then just then a big fucking uh, uh, toy-looking armored vehicle shows up. Back in the building, uh, we see the team walking down the hall, and the morph says clear sailing, and then the camera goes inside the door, and there's a bunch of guards with guns pointed. They are not supposed to be clones, but they are all clones. Okay. It's seven of the same guy. Yeah. Well, they're wearing With red hair. They're all, yeah. No, they're not wearing armor. Oh, they're in the room. Yeah, yeah, no, no, in the yeah, room. Yeah, it's just the same just, model over and over again. It's the yeah. same model. They didn't even change the hair color. Nope. Like, don't make the guys It's the McDoyles. Red hair. It's okay. It's the McDoyle family. It's the whole family. Yeah, from from, the X- from uh, uh, Billy Madison. The, the X-Men about to wipe them out. And that's the end of the first episode. The second episode begins. We kind of, like, go back in time a minute and, like, re- The second episode is real weird because they do a uh, last time on X-Men and then they just redo it again. <laughs> Because <laughs> like, so I was very confused. I was like, what is going on? Why did they redo this again when you just showed it in the last time? I like um, that uh, when this one begins, we have the truck show up and then uh, the guys all get out of the truck and then Cyclops blows the truck to hell. Yes. Uh, it's like just he doesn't like it's not even any attempt to be quiet. But also nope. he waits till everybody's out of it. So like it's which well, I he also makes it clear like don't hurt the humans, he says. Yeah. yeah. Still. Yeah. Knock them out or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh so uh back in the building, they're about to open that door, but then Wolverine stops them again. So I smell gun oil, there's guards on the other side of that door. So um they bust it open with uh with the wind, wind and then uh, take out all of the guards. Yeah. And uh Outside, there's like another battle. There's like uh, the armored vehicle showing up and everybody's fighting everybody. In- inside, there's more fighting. Um, this is where Morph shows up. Yeah, he shows General up. Frog voice. <clears throat> General Frog voice uh, tells all the guys to get away and then he locks them, uh, lock, locks them in another room. And then he says and his catchphrase again. Looks like clear sailing from here. It's number two. They get into the file room and they decide they have to destroy all the files. Beast begins going on the computer. This is 1992 or so, so there's also a million filing cabinets full of paper. Which I, I like that they're like also destroy the hard copies. I, was like, I oh, mean, they have to. One. Like it's yeah. 1992. Like it's like yeah. the thing is nice is. about this is that in today's world you might have a character who's a hacker do all this stuff remotely, but I think it's fun to have to go in and do it. Like I'm if yeah. I was writing this today, I would say, oh, the whole base is air gapped. We can't get into the. Yeah, it's files from outside. We had to be yeah. in there. I mean, like, because it's fun. Um, then we cut to uh, Detroit. Yep. And Brent. Jubilee is locked up. And uh, Henry Peter Gierick is talking to her through an intercom. And he's asking about the mutants that saved her. And she doesn't know anything about them. She goes, I'm just a kid. And uh, he's Henry Peter Gierick is stand, sitting outside, like, uh, at a table with a giant <laughs> sentinel standing right next to him. So funny. Yeah, he's sitting at a folding table. It's so funny. Like, 
in front of her her cell with like a computer on it. And the giant sentinel just standing right next to him. I was like, this is wonderful. <laughs> it's so good. It's I so love funny. it. Like yeah. you have all of the uh, the ability of animation to do anything you want right here. And when you get a fucking folding uh, TV table that you've like put like, <laughs> yeah. your frozen dinner on while you watch like yeah. fucking all in the like, family. Like, like all I can think is she's unconscious in that room and he's like setting up the table. He brings the computer over. <laughs> like he sets it all up, sits down and then he's like, wake up. <laughs> Why does he not have an office? <laughs> like, like, what is going on? Uh, he says to her, who are those dangerous mutants? She goes, I don't know. And he plays her gambit saying, nobody messes with the X-Men. And she is like, oh, I don't know anything about it. And then another dude shows up. It's, uh, guess who it is? Boulevard Trask. And yeah. uh, he is like, what the fuck is going on here? Why do you have a little girl in this room? <laughs> Like, what are you doing? And Garrick is like, oh, he's a random mutant I pulled from the files. Just wanted to see how easy we could capture them. And the guy's like, this is stupid. We're not supposed to do this until we have 100 Sentinels. And uh, Garrick's like, well, you're going too slow. And I'm paying you enough. You, what, you, what, are you, what are you waiting for? And then Garrick's cell phone rings. And uh, he listens and uh, then says, uh, eliminate them immediately. And he tells Trass it's a problem back at the home base. Yep. Back to the agency, um, we have more fighting. Uh, Rogue throws two vehicles into uh, a very convenient pond. Yeah, and then she says, don't get moonburn. Yeah. I'm not I sure mean, what that is. I mean, it's sunburn, but in the moonlight. I guess. Uh, Gambit hits some guys with cards. Cyclops is telling Storm, hurry up. We've got a situation out here. Inside, Storm's like, yeah. I know Morph is putting files in the fire. Um, Beast is still working. Um, Wolverine's trying to keep the door closed. The guards are on the other side. And he's like, Beast, you got to hurry. And Beast throws a fucking quote at him. Yep. And uh, Beast finishes up putting a virus into the system. And he says it'll be destroyed soon. And Storm doesn't want to wait. So he destroys the computer monitor. Not understanding that, in fact, the hard drive is not connected to the monitor. Nope. And that does nothing. Nope. Nothing at all. Nope. And then she puts out the fire. They started to destroy all the papers. Right. <laughs> so I'm not sure whose side she's on. Um, the Cyclops, okay, everybody get back. Get back to the Blackbird. Uh, so Gambit blows the fence. Uh, Rogue flies around. And then just then, uh, the building explodes out. Um, uh, a bunch of guys bust out, uh, starts firing. Cyclops knocks the fucking guard tower down. Yeah. And as it falls, Rogue snatches the guard. And the guards, you beautiful freak. shot of her, like, carrying this guy. And the camera like kind of like swings around them. It's really well done. It's a really. It's good funny. Shot. A lot of the animation in the show is not very good, and then every now yeah. and again, there's like a pretty impressive, very ambitious shot. I was yeah. very impressed by that. Yeah. Um. So the two teams converge, and, and this is the third time that Morph says "smooth sailing." Although here he says, "See, I told you, smooth sailing." Then they get to the woods, and then all of a sudden, a sentinel shows up. Wolverine's like, I'm going to fucking cut you up. And then all of a sudden, two more sentinels show up. Yeah. And then Morph is like, Wolverine, pull back. And then we cut to the mansion, and Jean Grey has got um, Cerebro on her head, and she cries out. And Professor X says, what the hell's going on? She says, oh, my God, can't you feel it? And uh, he comes over, he picks up the helmet, and he goes. He doesn't just pick up the helmet. He, he drops out of frame. <laughs> <laughs> in his chair, hovers down, I guess, through the ground because the helmet's on the ground and then comes back up with the helmet on. <laughs> I was dying laughing. They couldn't animate putting it on, so they had to figure out. Well, they couldn't do. figure out how he could get it. They're like, well, how does he pick this thing up? It's on the ground. He's That's in this so chair that is way too bulky for him to reach the, to grab it from the ground. 
It's like a whole sequence of Professor X trying to reach over the chair. And he's, like, fuck, fuck. he's like, gee, what did I tell you about putting it on the ground? God damn it. Like it's a running gag. He keeps dropping things on the floor and he can't pick them the fuck up. <laughs> Drops a pencil. He's like, God damn it. The remote control fucking sound. God damn the remote control. I can't get it. They gotta do that in the movies. <laughs> Uh, Professor X says, oh, no, I can't, I can't, I can't sense anything from Morph at all anymore. Then the Blackbird lands and, um, Cyclops gets out and, um, Storm is looking at an empty seat and she's crying. Um, Wolverine follows Cyclops getting out and he's like, what did, you know, he starts yelling at him for leaving everybody behind and, um, Cyclops is like, I had to do it. And then, but we were punching in the gut. I mean, this is like really good Wolverine Cyclops stuff, though. Yeah, like, this, this is, is like, this, this is, is totally, yeah. Yeah. Um, they start fighting again. And then Cyclops, like, I'm so fucking tired of your attitude. And he's ready to blow him away. And then Jean shows up and she's like, stop. And Wolverine says, tell Soldier Boy that he left the all this behind. Uh, you know, Morph and Beast could be alive. And Jean says, well, Beast is. <laughs> she's not solid at all. Well, Beast is, I'll tell you that much. You're half right. Yeah. Um, and then she starts crying into Cyclops' chest. This is really good too, because like you see Wolverine reach out to like hold her, but then she turns yeah. to Scott and starts crying with him. Again, they really have all this stuff in place. Like they know the characters in the comics. Yeah, this is not a show like where they like kind of like figure it out as they go along or pull things from. They know these characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wolverine's very, very mad. He goes to the garage and he cuts up Wolverine's car. <laughs> I mean, sorry, Cyclops, Cyclops' car. car yeah. So tell, tell, tell Cyclops I gave him a convertible, uh, and then he gets into his jeep and drives away. And then for some reason, he then has a fucking flashback to what just happened. And yes. I don't understand the structure of this. Like, I think the first episode, <laughs> the first episode should have ended with Morph jumping. Yeah. And saying, Beast, uh, Wolverine, get out of the way. And then you open the next episode with them getting off the plane. Yeah, I agree. But, like, this I is agree. such a weird structure. Like, they just, they flash back to something that would have happened oh, four minutes ago. Like, it's yeah. like, it, we just left this scene. Yeah. Um, it's, like, so weird. But we flash back to the, the f- final part of the battle where we see that um, the Sentinel fries morph and... Um, that beast gets knocked out and, and blasted away and Cyclops makes them leave. Um, and he, Wolverine doesn't want to leave. And so rogue has to go up and knock him out by taking his power, his energy. Yes. Which that's the second time he says, I go where I want to go. <laughs> Cyclops says we, we're leaving. And he turns and walks away and goes, I go where I want to go. So there you go. So it's a pretty interesting choice. They have uh morph die immediately. And, um, it's smart because it allows them to create a sense of danger. Like you now you yes. killed somebody in the first episode. So like, Oh, maybe anything can this happen. Was, this was a common maneuver on TV shows and stuff in the nineties. Right. Like Buffy does as well, where they kill off Xander's buddy in the first episode. Right. So, um, so morph is actually based on a character called changeling from the X-Men comics. Do you know changeling's yes. deal? Yeah. He looked like all of them. So Changeling could shape change. Angel and yeah. um, Well, the deal is, so this is what his deal is though. He worked for a bad guy and then he got beat. The bad guy he worked for, he thought that the bad guy was the mutant master, but it turns out he was an alien because this is the sixties, right? And he was trying to start World War III. And so uh, Changeling gets beat and he goes to Professor X and says, well, actually I'm not even going to tell you that. So what happens then? And then the next issue or whatever, um, a couple issues later, Professor X dies. 
And then Professor X is dead for like 20 issues. And then uh, Professor X shows back up again. And he tells the team, that was not me that died. In fact, what happened is that Changeling came to me and said that he felt bad for helping the mutant master and that he had a terminal illness and he wanted to spend his last days atoning for it. So I said to him, I'm so sick of this shit. Why don't you pretend to be me while I can go do something else? Go to the Bahamas. He went, he like was preparing for some alien invasion of some alien race that nobody's ever seen again. Um, But like, that's the story. So like they retconned it. They used, they used changeling to retcon professor X's death. Only Jean gray knew that it was not actually professor X. Um, They had a whole funeral. (laughs) (laughs) They had a whole, professor X, she's the only one that he, that he let in on it was that that, it wasn't him. They had a whole funeral. In the early comics, professor X was in love with Jean gray, even though she's like 15 and he's like 25. Um, they had a whole funeral and everything. And, uh, it's like over the years, it's become like established that professor professor X is kind of an asshole and that he maybe abuses his position and his powers in a lot of ways, but that wasn't the original conception, but it's the steady accumulation of little details like that. Yeah. That lead to where he just like, let somebody else pretend to be him. And doesn't tell anybody uh, that it's hard to like when you have to start dealing with that as a story beat because it was a retcon. How, how are we going to bring him back to life? Um, okay, this is how it just only starts to begin to make him just into a total asshole. And that's yeah. how we end up with a Professor X who in the current iteration is like not like an asshole, but like he's a character who I could see becoming genocidal at some point. Like he really he is like genocidal. He's done a lot of bad stuff. Yeah, he was onslaught, but that wasn't his fault. No, but I mean that was his his repressed personality coming out. You know, he also so. ate his twin in the womb. Um, yes, <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't eat the twin in the womb. He choked the twin he to death in the womb. <laughs> yeah, strangled her to death. In the womb. He strang- purposely strangled her to death. There is a so there's a, a I I just read some new X Men comics and there's a two miniseries. One called the the X lives of Wolverine and one called the X deaths of Wolverine. Yeah. And I read the first issue of the X lives of Wolverine. And in this comic, professor X sends Wolverine back in time. Um, he does it with a, uh, he puts like a cerebral helmet on his head and in- interacts with Krakoa and he sends his soul back in time, I guess I'm not really oh, like uh, sure. days of future past. That's what they do. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, he sends him back in time to the night of his birth, uh, because, um, there's a, a, a bad guy is trying to kill him on the night that he's born. And so Wolverine is present at Professor X's birth. And in the sequence, they're like, oh no, it's a daughter, but she's dead. And that's Cassandra, his one that he killed. <laughs> it's like so dark. It's like so dark. And like, this is so weird. And they have a wow. giant fucking fight in the room. Like people die. Uh, I have not read the whole, the whole story yet. So maybe like no. this is alternate stuff, but like, it seems pretty weird that Professor X was born with a giant battle in the, in the bedroom. Well, yeah. It's funny as hell, though. That's how stuff always goes. <clears throat> it's how it always, especially with the X-Men. Yeah. Um, so we uh, we see the uh, the morph die. Um, we see that they've captured Beast. Beast is um, put into a prison cell, and he cries, and he prays. Yeah. Uh, and um, Garrett comes in and tries to, like, question him and beast is like get the fuck out of here and gear like i will come back so on tv we see the president it's a woman and she says uh hey so just heads up everybody 
turns out mutants just attacked uh, the federal security agency and uh, it's pretty intense and uh, we're going to have to do something about it. And she says, we're going to activate an experimental robot police corps called the Sentinels. And uh, Cyclops is unhappy watching this in the war room. Meanwhile, Logan's at a bar and he's playing pool. And when the TV runs Senator Kelly um, doing a speech about this, and he talks about like how the um, the mall attack and the mutant control agency attack proved that mutants are too dangerous to exist. And Logan's like, shut that garbage off. And then one of the other guys, it's like a biker bar kind of thing. Yes, but uh, unbeknownst to us, in disguise, Jack Nicholson is there. <laughs> what, one of the guys has a Jack Nicholson voice you caught? Yeah, you didn't hear the guy? He's like... He's like, what do you, what do you get off our table? Like, I can't do a good Jack Nicholson. He's like, get off our table. He sounds like Jack Nicholson. I, I knew he had a voice. I didn't know that it was a Jack. I thought, I thought it was just, like Jack Nicholson. I thought it was one of the regular actors. Like, sometimes in animated shows, they'll have an actor play twelve different characters. Yeah, I'm sure it was. And he was like, I'll do my Jack Nicholson impersonation. This is what he's doing. They, um, they call him Furface, and then they get into a fight with him, uh, and uh, they call him Runt, which is a classic yes. slur to throw at Wolverine. Runt, yep. classic. Yeah. Yeah. A word that nobody actually uses. Nope, not these days. Um, and then Wolverine pops out his claws, and uh, the owner shows up with a bat. and like, get the fuck out of here. And then uh, – By the as- way, very well-dressed or at least like organized because the, the, the design on his T-shirt, he also has a tattoo of on his arm. <laughs> he really matches. <laughs> so I imagine that's like the bar's logo is my guess. That's how I took it. And the owner says to him, we don't want your kind here. And Wolverine says, I go where I, I go want. where I want. <laughs> so there you go. Well, this is the great part um, is that then they, they tell him to get lost. And then and then Cyclops shows up and says, hey, I'm yep. looking for this guy. And then they start sassing Cyclops. And I feel like if a guy I was just sassing popped knives out of his hands, <laughs> his buddy that comes in, I'm going to lay off. But they do not. They nope. do the opposite. They call him four eyes and they try, they pull his fucking glasses off yes. and he blows the pool table in half. Yeah. And then, and then they're like, just leave. We don't want any trouble. <laughs> Honestly, the first time a guy pops knives out of his hands, everybody that he knows, I'm like, that's it. Like whatever you guys want to do. I don't care. Like <laughs> yeah. you, you hey, want to drink hey, here, please. How about we just let him keep playing pool? <laughs> like, like, yes, yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Outside, Logan's like, don't apologize for running out on beasts. There's no point. And Scott's like, hey, listen, I'm not going to apologize for my command decisions. And then Scott says, listen, do you want to find the, the home base of these Sentinels? And Logan's like, when and where? Yep. And the White House, the president's on a Stairmaster. Can or we she talk on about, a, real quick. She's on a Stairmaster, right? She's on a Stairmaster. Can we talk about how the White House is apparently a shithole? There's cracks in the walls. Like, it looks terrible. It's weird. And she's like in like an, she's like in an, a one part April O'Neill, one part aim jumpsuit. Yeah. The whole thing is weird. It's the like, it is, looks like garbage. It's really strange. Yeah. It looks like there's like dripping on the ceiling. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't understand what is happening at the White House. No idea. They you need know the, to get painters in there. I think they probably have like a, it's a bad budget deficit in the nineties. They just don't have the money. I guess so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Henry Peter Gierick shows up um, and uh, uh, sort of uh, she's and she says, hey, congrats to you and Dr. Trask. Trask, uh, you got these robots up and running. Says, but you know what? Like, let's end this mutant registration shit. And he's like, what the fuck? Why? And she says, well, because these mutants were so willing to destroy these files 
Maybe they are bad, which is a wild jump. <laughs> I mean, maybe they had a point about the Twin Towers. I don't know. Like, it's just like a crazy jump. It's a nutty fucking jump. Truly. Look, you were trying to register all the mutants so we could keep track of where they are because they're dangerous. And then they attacked us, proving that they're dangerous. So we shouldn't track them anymore. <laughs> like do, you, do you remember the Mutant Registration Act ads in the comics? Yes, they were great. So in the 80s, when they introduced the Mutant Registration Act in the comics, they did a bunch of ads, house ads in Marvel. And they're super fucking cool because they're riffing on the um, a couple of different things, one of which is the faces inside of milk cartons, which were popular yes. back then. Yeah. But the, So the ad is four kids. It's a drawing of four kids, like their faces, and they're each in a little panel. And it says it's 1987. Do you know what your children are? And do you know yeah. where your children are was the thing. Like it's, 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 yeah. 10, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? And then it's the three kids. And then the last kid is the kid from Power Pack. And it's got Mutie yeah, scrawled uh, across his face. God, what was his name? I can't think of his name. I can't remember. Leech? But it says. Was it Leech? No, it's not Leech. It's a kid from Power Pack, not, not Leech. Um, okay. It says paid for by citizens in support of the Mutant Registration Act. Um, it's really unbelievably well done it's yeah. really one of the best house ads because it doesn't even say like x-men or whatever um it just is there and it's you and i are really um biased because of our ages but it's part of what makes 1980s marvel feel like the last truly great hurrah of marvel yeah um there's like a lot of really incredible stuff happening in the 80s a lot of really interesting stuff and this is just really one of um, yes the things i've seen i agree but okay. I just wanted to mention it because we're we're ending the Mutant Registration Act here. So I wanted to sort of like mention that it was a thing from the comics with the greatest house ad fantastic of house all ad. time. They, I mean, comics used to have fantastic house ads left and right, you know, but they just don't have them anymore. Or maybe, you know, they're just not. Now they're – I don't think they even have house ads anymore in comics. I don't I think, think so. Barely. Because they, they got to get that, that revenue in. Uh, Geerich's mad about this. He leaves, calls her a fool when he leaves, and he throws his fucking papers everywhere. His classified papers just throws them everywhere. It's <laughs> okay, very, buddy. like, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm so angry, I'm throwing these papers down, but it looks so weak. <laughs> you know, it's like, you do not look tough. You look really goofy. And then uh, he gets a call, and uh, he answers, and he goes, oh, is he still there? And we see on the other side of the phone, it's Jubilee's foster dad. And he says, yeah, I'll keep him here as long as I can. Hangs up the phone, and then he brings over um, a tray of soda, I think yeah. a tray of them, uh, over to, uh, to Cyclops, who's sitting there. And uh, Cyclops is talking to the family, and the mom says, we think Jubilee was captured by one of these robots. And uh, uh, the, so the dad's like, what the fuck? Why, why, why would you believe that? And Scott's like, listen, people feel what they don't understand. They don't understand us. And then um, the dad feels bad. And he goes, ah, you got to get out of here right now. He goes, listen, they, they, they told me if anyone comes asking about Jubilee to call them. And I did call them and they're on their way. And Scott's like, don't worry about it. He's like, I'm just wanted to help Jubilee. And that, that, that's it. Scott leaves and a Sentinel shows up. And, um, at first it seems like Scott's going to, um, is going to, whatchamacallit, surrender. But then he blows the Sentinel's arm off and yeah, the Sentinel, you, you, what? I think you're forgetting. He doesn't just do that. He does the classic not joke. <laughs> let's not let's not lose that that he could that the sentinel is like surrender now and goes of course i'll surrender not and then he shoots <laughs> it's like oh scott's that which is great that they have that in this because it makes it very clear scott is lame 
So there you go. <laughs> Uh, he knocks off those sentinels arm. The sentinel goes, uh, reports back that it's been damaged by an unknown mutant and it flies off to the base for repairs. And, uh, in the blackbird, we see that storm is, uh, monitoring the sentinel radar. And so she's going to follow and Scott's going to follow behind. Uh, uh, they get in the plane and, and everybody flies off and they go to Detroit. We see the sentinels being created here. Yeah. And, um, Trask, uh, is over there and Garrick shows up and he says, listen, start packing this shit up. We got to get out of here. And Trask is like, what, 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 why? And Garrick says, well, the president canceled the mutant registration shit. So I'm a little worried that they're going to take out the sentinels next. So I like to get them offshore so they can't shut it down. And then just then, uh, the sentinel shows up, the one arm sentinel shows up and uh flies through the glass in the ceiling yeah, and crashes crashes, crashes down hits the generator falls down and like gingrich is like jesus can't you build these things properly <laughs> and uh that sets jubilee free and yeah. uh now uh she uh tries to figure out what's going on uh and she's gonna keep these slime balls busy um and then we have this little uh little bit of action sequence she breaks out uh, and gingrich sees the the wall busting open jubilee comes out and she's surrounded by a bunch of fucking sentinels seems pretty bad and then all of a sudden cyclops shows up and he's on the rafters he says duck and he blasts two of the sentinels um and then we have a whole fight scene here where the x-men take out all of these sentinels and uh they rescue jubilee uh everybody does a little bit of damage including wolverine who does like um some sliding down a sentinel and punches him in the head with his uh, claws and says, this one's from Morph. Yep. Um, and uh, everybody plays their part. Rogue, Storm, everybody does does a little bit. Um, they, uh, they free um, Jubilee and then somebody says, is it Scott that says, is that all of them? And Rogue goes, yeah. isn't that enough? Ain't that enough, sugar? We cut back to Jubilee's house, and um, she is leaving. She says, listen, you guys are great, but you definitely turned me into the authorities. <laughs> uh, which is truly a non-starter. So I'm going to have to go say Professor X. That's the best place for me to be. And uh, she takes off. Uh, back at the mansion, um, Jean sees the taxi approaching, and Scott says, did I do the right thing, leaving behind Beast and Morph? Like, and she's like, don't worry, you did what you had to do. And we, again, this is good character business, like the morose yep. Scott, the leader who's second-guessing himself at every turn. And then Jubilee comes in, rings the doorbell, opens the door, and goes in, and that is the end of our episode. Yeah. What would you think of these first two? I think they're really fun. I, I think there's good little character bits. You know, the animation is not great overall. There, there's a lot of, like mistakes in the animation you know there are times when like sentinels will shoot beams and, and you can see the beam on the wrong side of the hand and stuff like that right. like you know but it's a saturday morning cartoon by saban entertainment i imagine the the budget was pretty low but the the characters are well written the story moves very quickly the i think all the voice actors are really well chosen for the characters i liked it I yeah, that. I think the thing is revisiting this now so many years later. I mean, I really am surprised by how much it captures the X-Men comics. It's like right off the page. It's pretty wild. 
And it, again, it doesn't need to be like this is a fucking Saturday morning cartoon. It could be whatever they want it to be. Like nobody yeah. cares. There's so many Saturday morning cartoons that are based on other things, like the Super Friends. I mean, like that's just not well. That's pretty well close. a little bit. It actually time that it started <laughs> for the period yeah. a little bit. Uh, well, there's other still. There's other Spider-Man and his amazing friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, they had to make Spider-Man have roommates, and one of them had to be a woman because they didn't want them to think that Spider-Man was gay. Uh, so uh, that really is why they they created Firestar for that show yeah. for case that purpose gay. to yeah. to give them a case of the not gays. Yeah. Um, so it's not it's not unusual for these shows to not be remotely faithful. Um, but this is really incredibly faithful. Not like it's not a page for page adaptation of anything. There's not like a, a specific comic this comes from, but all yeah. of these characters are true to who they are in the comics. The bad guys are the bad guys that they are in the comics. Like yeah. every piece of it, the Sentinels look like the Sentinels. The heroes look like the heroes. Yeah, the they didn't do a crazy, up. Yeah, like, they, yeah, they didn't do crazy redesigns, which they also yeah. often do on these cartoon shows. They do redesigns so they can sell different toys or something like yes. that. Yes. Yes. And it's also, I think, very interesting in these first two episodes, they don't introduce Magneto. They don't, you know, we see Magneto on TV at one point, but that's it. Like, they're not, like, rushing into, like, oh, we have to set up the Brotherhood of Mutants. Like, they're like, no, we'll, we're going to start off here, and then we'll move into that later. And it's, it's I think it's very well done overall. I, th- I, I think, think it's also cool that this, I think it's cool that this is the first X-Men appearance, like, yes. in the world. Like, this is yeah. not, like, also very often in a cartoon like this, you would have Jubilee joining the group, but the group exists. Yeah. Like you get the sense that you're entering a world that's already in motion. And yeah. that's not quite the thing here. We're really coming in at the beginning in a, in a very big Where they way. don't even know what mutants are yet. Even they right. don't know. You know, right. like, we don't know what causes it. They don't know about the X gene yet, apparently. I mean, I don't know if they ever do, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how deep into it the, the show gets. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I had fun with it. I was surprised how watchable it was. Yeah. My memories of this show were that it was pretty, I, I remember watching a bunch of them, but I remember not being crazy impressed. And I suspect a lot of that is because of my age at the time. I do remember it gets really chaotic where they just like keep introducing more and more characters and like episodes just flow into each other. One after like, so you're like, saying it's much totally, like it's, yeah, it's, it's totally it's like faithful comics. to the yeah. comics. Yeah, and it gets like real crazy and real chaotic, and being like, I can't, I don't know what's happening. Like, <laughs> like it was, a, it was a show where, uh, you know, like Batman the animated series. If you missed an episode, it's fine because there were essentially they were standalone episodes. But in this, if you missed an episode, you had no idea what was happening in the next episode. You're just right. like, I'm no. What do you mean Cyclops left the team? What's going on? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like they had no problem switching out characters and moving things around. From what I remember. Yeah. So. No, for sure. I mean, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to do this. Like when we pitch this i was like well you know it's leading into x-men 97 the new show and there's a bunch of episodes so it's a pretty good off-season show because yeah. a lot of them exist also it's like you know i bet for a number of our listeners i bet this is a nostalgia trip and yeah. that'll be nice for them i was worried that we were going to watch it and be like Ugh. but i, really I was had terrified a, i was very I worried a, about that yeah. i had a pretty good time yeah i think i i, I enjoyed it i mean it re- again it really comes out it's really well written i think i think they wrote it really well and and it's in the little things like having Morph hit his shoulder into the door frame, right? It's just like a little bit that's like, oh, it's a little bit of a character thing there. Like he's a little well, I clumsy. They, you know? I wonder if they wrote that or if they um, – the animators put that in there. However it ended up in there, it's a nice little touch. You know, it's when Morph is like, hey, can you get me over the fence? And Wolverine and Beast look at each other and give each other a thumbs up. And then it cuts to Morph flying over the fence and screaming. 
it's a funny little bit. It's like, that's fun. I like that. Like, well, yeah, that's the other thing. This is character moments. This is from an era where the cartoons had not yet gotten so self-serious yeah, um, that they could still be funny, but also were beginning to figure out they could also be serious and tell stories. So it's like a really interesting middle ground that maybe is like the correct middle ground because they are silly, dumb stuff, but also it's like character, silly, dumb stuff. So it's like, okay. Yeah. Um, and the serious stuff, the relationship stuff, the interpersonal stuff actually lands. Yeah. And it it is funny to watch this knowing that the X-Men movies happened because of this animated series and that somewhere along the line they were like, yeah, the people like that animated series. Let's make it into a live action movie, but not do any of that. No costumes. (laughs) Get rid of the colorful costumes. Get rid of all the stuff that makes it stand out. It was very fun. No Sentinels. Can't have that. What did you expect? Yellow spandex? Yeah. Yes, I did. Because that's what you had in 1992 in this cartoon. And it looked cool. Um, <clears throat> next week, we're going to talk about episode three, Enter Magneto. There you go. Here's the, the description. Beast must deal with the punishment for attacking the mutant control agency while also facing the prejudice against mutants. Meanwhile, the X-Men run into two old enemies with personal ties to the team. They must deal with their own personal hatreds before one enemy starts a war to wipe out humanity. Oh. You want to make a bet on whether or not B says, if you prick us, do we not bleed? It's a guy. Did you watch this one already? No, I have not. It seems like it seems plausible. It seems plausible. Yeah. I guess we'll find out. All right. We'll be back again with that next week. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, if you want to hear us talking about more comic book bullshit, this time DC, you're going to want to subscribe to the Watchmen podcast. That's it. The $5 and above level on our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash cinema sangha, S-A-N-G-H-A. Derek, in the meantime, until we come back next week, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at WH underscore Woolhat. You can find me on Twitter at Devin CF. We'll be back again next week with more. Until then, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you be well, but most of all, may you remain a true believer.